White Lotus. We're in season two of White Lotus. We are on episode three. I'm your host, Lee. I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer. Spencer, how are you? Doing well, man. Uh, eager to enjoy my stay. So we were just chatting pre-record, and I kind of curtly cut you off. And it's because you did. I think it's because I think you were about to get to something I want to talk about right now, which is Spencer. I think this is the weakest episode of the show we've had. Interesting. Really. Go on. Explain yourself, I, and I'll offer my I, view. I felt like it was a lot of filler. I felt like not much happened. Um, I feel like they are attempting to talk about gender specifically. Um, and they, in parts, are doing it in a not very deft way, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're how they are illustrating, particularly the younger generation, frustrates me. Um, I don't think... This concept that like everybody's like Albie and Portia and are, all the young kids are walking around and they're just like a head full of like, hey, don't say that, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm not that's not my experience with the younger generation. I feel like that's just being handled in a really stereotypical sort of easy way. Um, I just wasn't as happy with this episode. I, I, I thought it was slow filler and the weakest episode of the season so far. What do you think? This is just the story of us. This was my favorite episode of the season. Noticeably so. I quit. I quit. I'm done. I I, I love the surreal elements. Are you I, fucking with me? I'm not even a single bit. Not even what? a little bit. Just far and away favorite episode. I of the see. Season. This is why I cut you off before when we were starting to record before we recorded because I thought you were going to agree with me. I was I was so sure you were going there. I hate to disappoint you, man, but I quite like this one. I like the philosoph- I like philosophizing. I liked uh, the kind of surreal elements that were really sprinkled into this. I liked so many scenes of where there wasn't a need for dialogue. It was just you know watching the characters as they interact. I liked the increasing exploration of the subject of just characters that are grading on each other, or characters that are not meeting with each other, or giving characters that are slowly starting to understand each other more in a way that's not necessarily good. I, I had a lot of fun with that. This was. A dark, brooding, uh, very interactive episode in a way I quite enjoyed. Wow. Okay, well, so we disagree on the quality of the episode. I don't think it'll get quite as contentious as we've done with other types of media, right? Yeah. Because, like, when we disagree on, like, a Pot of the Dragon or a House of the Dragon episode on our our podcast, Pot of the Dragon, I feel like we're both so invested in that material that it can get kind of dicey. I don't care that much. It's White Lotus, for God's sakes. I mean, it's not the biggest (laughs) deal in the world. But it does, it, it was something that where I was watching it thinking, mm, I think they're starting, the fastball is getting down to like 88, 89 for me what? because some of the stuff where they're trying to do social commentary, I felt like was so well done in season one and it's starting to get really ham handed and easy to me so far. Yeah. And I think they weren't, I don't think it was the episode trying to do social commentary. I thought it was the characters trying to do social commentary. And for that, it worked for me just because it was just a further element of the character's driving past each other and getting under each other's skin in a way I expect will continue to will explode later. Okay, well, so we are going to discuss all that and more. We start with the recap, which I will lead every week heroically, bang, bang, all the way through, line by line. Just knocking out the recap. Spencer will jump in with very interesting anecdotes, witty jokes, lines, and wisdom. And then we will go to best line of the episode, where I am God Emperor, best line of the episode. However, Spencer gamely supplies me with nominees every week, and then we will go to... Our awards of the week, which are, we, we will go best vacation partner of the week, worst vacation partner of the week. This is going to be an interesting one to unpack this week. It really will. And then I think we jump to our death predictions. Yet again this week, Spencer, oh. I've gotten 
death predictions from our from our audience. Uh, mm-hmm. We I think I can confidently say from our audience that their favorite, uh, seemingly as a whole, the the favorite segment that we have is the death predictions. That's what I get the most content about from from our our listeners. And we always say that till the end, so we make you listen all the way through. Uh, so, Spencer, I think, deep, let's fun. Let's fun. Let's fun. Let's fun. Let's fun. All right, let's jump into the recap. I'm, I'm not let. I'm just putting it on the record right now. I'm not let's funning with you. Not going to do that. Let, We're not going to Italy and letting fun. Just leaving that out now. Oh, yes, we are. Uh, episode, <laughs> season two, episode three, titled "Bull Elephants." Um, so. Calling it bull elephants made me mm-hmm. think they're trying to say more about gender. And I feel like the stuff they're saying about gender is like, like a bull. Here we go. Here's a fucking on the bull, nail on the head. Bull in, a a bull in the China shop. Yeah. It's really clumsy. <laughs> well, it's then. like, not every man is like this. And like, not every man has this like sort what? of hidden desire to like want to screw prostitutes the night that their fucking wife leaves. Like it's sex worker. Apologize. It's just. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're maybe they're trying to say less than I think they're trying to say. But if they're trying to say as much about how we interact and how gender is in our society, especially among the wealthy, I am disappointed. I think they're not doing a good job. And I don't think it's the show making any commentary on that. I think it's the characters offering their opinions, and some okay, of which so I think are demonstrably in their scenes wrong. Help me help me understand the difference between the show is trying to say something and the characters are trying to say something. What, how, sh- well, how is that different to you? If the show is trying to say something, the writer is it's, is himself trying to convey a particular message to the audience. It is an author tract, as it were, and the author the author or the writer agrees with it and is purposely having the character say that to make you agree with it or make you represent their views. If the character is saying it, the character is offering their own internal opinions based on the character we've seen based on their their in-story experience, whatever else, without any judgment or without any, you know, commentary from the author attached to it. When a character says something, a character is allowed to be wrong. And I think we see that a couple times here, where a character offers an opinion that feels in keeping for the character, but it's one that you and I can very clearly uh, unpack, and one that I think even the show offers some indication that it's kind of winking at that idea as being, huh, isn't it interesting that character has that opinion? Let's see where this goes. So do you think that the show is trying to say anything? Or is it just characters interacting? I This seems more like a show to me that if it's trying to say anything, it is subtle and in the background. I think this is a show that more in my mind, which I think it's been interesting to discuss once we're done with the season, wants to set a playing field, set an overall kind of theme, but otherwise paint characters to interact with each other in a way that's entertaining or in a way that is just rich with drama. Will you admit that season one, not admit, but do you do you agree that season one was trying to say something about how the rich interact with the service class? I do. Uh, I okay. don't think this season's trying to say that to the same degree. Uh, well, at least not... I agree with a, that. A, They're a not saying that. Yeah. A different category of service class. I think it's more going into the per- actual perspectives of the service class rather than just purely how they interact with the rich. Um, I hmm. think... That theme is much more background, particularly since the staff has been up until this episode much more much more minor of a role. Um, but even with that theme of how the rich interact, that was like the initial stage directions of the setting, rather than what was the main focus in my mind of going forward. Okay, well, let's find. Um, 
I I don't I you know Spencer, we always have fun on this podcast. I'm not in a great mood today. You're gonna have to pick me up out of it, okay? Let's I'm just go ahead That's and warn you. Never you're happened gonna, before. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to pull me up out of this mood. Alright, so our previously I, I, on I have pills. But pills help. I have Viagra. That will really pick you up. But you have got to pay. You have got to pay, sir. <laughs> Previously on gives us a lot of Harper and the sexual dysfunction with her and Ethan. You termed that phrase, I think, last episode, uh, sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, you called it that. I think I'm starting to agree with you. Uh, along with Cameron's conversations with Harper, I want you to like me. I want you to like me. I like you. What? Uh, Dominique and Lucia, Mia and Tanya and Greg round out the recap. Then we jump into the intro, which still slaps. I gotta say, the intro slaps. Damn straight. A lot of stuff on Twitter, uh, a lot of really cool memes uh, that are still surviving in the Elon era, by the way. They're still getting through out there into the ether. With, with or without blue checks? Uh, yeah, a lot of parody accounts. But they're saying um, it's a lot of dancing memes, and it's it's the it's the me uh, with the with the caption me skipping the me skipping the skip intro button. You yeah, know, dancing to people. But what I'm saying is, it seems like people are wanting to see the intro now. Question for you about the intro. I've had some people speculate that maybe the wallpaper is changing a little bit. Like the what we're seeing in the wallpaper is starting to change episode to episode. I haven't noticed it, but I've had people say that. Have you noticed I, it? I thought I noticed it between episodes one and episode two. I was watching this one and I didn't as clearly see as many changes this time. Um, but I, it, this is going to be a show that's going to be easy to check on that because unlike House of the Dragon, I am watching every one of these intros and having a blast doing so. <laughs> Oh, God. Shot across the dragon? Shot across the castle? <laughs> Something. I don't right know. Snap. Very, very mean to our guy, Ryan Condal. So we start with Nina Nina playing by Pink Martini. Another another song that slaps. I mean, the music yeah. is really good. The music is really good, I gotta say. We see Valentina walk into a coffee shop. We She orders a coffee, and some guy standing there tries to talk to her. And uh, he's like, I see you often. I work at the... She just cuts him right off, explains what happens. Hard. Happens every morning... Some guy comes in, looks at her tits, hits on her. She's not interested. Go away. The guy, the reaction from the guy is really funny to me because he's just like, okay, okay, okay. All right, ciao. Like, he still yeah. says bye, like in a pretty respectful way. Um, like, he maybe expects to still see her tomorrow. Um, I do feel like Valentina is one of those people, like, if you're out there single, right, and you're just trying to meet people, mm-hmm. that's like um, – trapdoor situation like you're just walking along and all of a sudden you just fall and hit your head you're like whoa what happened like you normally you talk to people and it's like okay but mm-hmm. i feel like with her it's just you would just get this no matter what you do even if she liked you i still feel like you get some version of this this was an interesting episode in terms of the amount of scenes we had with valentina that really give us our first opportunity to kind of unpack her because previously we've just seen her kind of just be inept in terms of socially interacting with the staff uh, with the, with with the guests and very grating in terms of uh, her orders and directions to her own staff this time we got to see her on her own and it was really interesting to see what she does when the camera's off what what she does when she's not on at, at work and on her job i had a much more positive view of the character after this episode this first scene up was seemed very quintessential valentina but as we got to see more of her i was kind of going huh this is a person that may not interact well with others in a way that I'm now going to find more sympathetic. That's interesting. She, I noticed a couple things about her. One, she drinks uh, espresso like I used to drink alcohol. I mean, it is just like wham, down. wham like just right down the hatch. She, she doesn't yes. play around. Um, also, they do a little scene where she's with two cats. I Love thought that was perfect. That scene. She's a cat, right? Like, I mean, yes. like cat, cats, there's this really great, yeah. there's this really great, uh, Ernest Hemingway quote where it's like, cats have 
complete, absolute, like, um, honest emotional intelligence. Like a cat is whatever a cat's feeling is what you get. Like if it's mm-hmm. mad at you, even if it, lo- even if it loves you, if it's mad at you, it's going to hit you in the face. Like that's kind of how she rolls. Like she likes some of these people she's talking to that she's openly rude to. It, it, mm-hmm. it seems to me. So the really great parallel with a cat there with Valentina. And we'll, we'll see a scene of her being complimented by another staff member. I'll be very curious to see your thoughts on that scene because I thought that was mm-hmm. also very revealing of how she takes that and how she responds to it in a way we haven't seen before. Cut to Dominique who wakes up in the morning and the girls are in his room. He waves to Mia who is awake on the couch. Um, cut to Harper. She's getting all sexy time with a nighty on and everything. Uh, Ethan comes in. He says he got 20,000 steps in. So that's quite a run. That's, that's a pretty big run. And she goes, well, I know you always get horny in the morning I know you always get horny after your run, so I, all she got out, Ethan leaves the room. Yikes. Did, did you have any hope, when you saw her getting prepared, did you have any hopes that this was going to work out well or she planned? No. 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 It, I don't think Ethan's that attracted to her anymore. Like, he makes that point to Cameron. He's like, I don't know, I've seen her on the toilet and stuff. Like, he he has shown me nothing in three episodes to show that he's attracted to this woman. And that's insane, because... Yeah. Audrey yeah. Plaza, and she's also trying a lot. I mean, she, my, my God, Spencer, she has her Italian headband on this episode. How much more can you, you try? try? She has an Italian headband on. She goes out on a girls' trip with Daphne, which wasn't predicting that episode one. She makes an active effort, despite not being a morning person, to appeal to his particular tastes, such that she can accommodate him in that regard. And it's like she's just jumping into a brick wall in terms of the reaction she's getting. Nothing it's, from him. I felt really bad for her in this, in this scene because of the two of them, she's the one that we've seen so far as making a God-honest attempt. At oh, way him. harder than him. We're not seeing much from him at all, really. I've got question. to spend more time with him. Do you think... So, when the money thing has been discussed, and we'll get, we'll get to the conversation with Cameron, yes. but when the money thing has been discussed so far, everybody around seems to think that Ethan has completely not changed and he doesn't care about the money and this and that. Do you think there might be a little sliver of truth that the money has got him thinking that he could have a different life with different people? Yes. Yes. I do too. Yeah. Very I much too. so. I I think we'd already been kind of talking about that to a certain degree about, huh, this guy's in a new position in life. How much is that changing his personality? Now we have two characters directly talking about it. It's like, hey, has he changed? Like, no, 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 no. He's exactly the same. And I'm looking at the camera going, she's wrong. She, this is a char- This is an in-character saying this in a way that's believable for that character, but we're given evidence that the character is wrong. I agree with that. Uh, she says, I'm going to be so good today and friendly. I'm going to be so good. Like, the first 20 minutes of this episode, I feel like we're getting a lot of April Ludgate. Like, I think yeah. she's slipping back into it a little bit, which I feel like almost like, I don't know if you watched SNL this week, but Chappelle was on it. I know everybody's got problems with Chappelle. I'm not trying to diminish those. But he did bring out the Chappelle show characters. Yes. And I felt like every once in a while in this episode, I was getting almost like a little callback to a character 10 years ago. And I got super nostalgic about it, kind of in the same way. Well, we, we, we talked about that last couple episodes. That seems to be her mocking voice in this character. Of when yeah. she's being playful, when she's being mocking. She's just oh, straight up playing oh. April. She's just doing April. That's what she's doing. It's like, this is her little mocking personality she brings on. I thought this was cute, of where she was like, you know, she's purposely playing it over the top to try to get a laugh out of him, and it doesn't really get a reaction from him other than him saying, well, don't overplay it, they'll know it's fake. It was like, dude. I don't, I don't think he likes her that much anymore. I think that's the that's the We're not getting that, much from him. 
That's where they're going to have to address the fact that he might not like her that much anymore. So he asked her why. And she said, well, you've been accusing me of being a bitch. She's like, I didn't say that. She goes, well, whatever. She just completely blows by that. She said, whatever you were calling me, I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. She says, Cameron's your friend and you want his approval. And he's like, I don't want his approval, which he does. I mean, you like, Plainly, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a crazy thing. Like I want like, okay. Like I want your approval. Like, not You'll, like I'm going to like fucking kill myself for it, but like, you're my friend. Like, of course I want people who are my friends to like approve of me in some general way, right? Like, so it's not a crazy thing to say. And he gets, he again gets more defensive than I think he needs to. And she tries to say like, Hey, look, it's human. It's normal. It's not a big deal. And he's, he gets pretty defensive about it. Yeah. And the fact he gets so defensive, I think just further reiterates how true it is and how much he's just trying to deny that fact. And I think it even just goes beyond regular friendship. I think he kind of like, you know, was either, bullied some mix of bullied slash idolized Cameron when he was back in school. Yeah. And the idea that he is seeking his approval is something that is very ingrained for that reason. Not only seeking approval, I think he also wants to, you know, one up him to a certain degree or at least imagine that he could. Didn't we always see that though? in, in college, like I was trying to explain this to my mom who didn't go to college. I was like, this is pretty common that in college there'd be like the cool guy. And then there yes. was people who sort of hung around the cool guy and for a good five to 10 years after typically would fall back into that same pattern. But what I've noticed is that that starts to really grow and evolve. And, and, and this idea that like this person is the cool one and I just have to do whatever they say or, or fall in line starts to kind of fade away over time. And I feel it, like Ethan and Cameron are in that part of it where Ethan, a part of him still kind of does want Cameron's approval. He's not willing to basically tell him to fuck off when he's being an asshole, but he is growing sort of into a different person that doesn't just follow the leader anymore. I think he is, but I think this is also an area that we see very often just in terms of like, you know, college reunions. It's very easy to fall into the same old grooves again for both positive and negative. And I think now that he's back here with Cameron, a lot of this episode kind of struck me as being, we're seeing a bit how the two of them interacted with college, with him getting roped along, drug along, not at all comfortable with the experience, but in it because Cameron wanted to. And I think that's, we're seeing a mirror of how the two of them may have been in college. He, uh, he asked her not to overdo it. Uh, they'll know it's fake, which you pointed which out was before. Brutal. She it's, says, it was a brutal little line right there. It was, it was mean, it, but she, the cool part about her is that she just blows her. Like she's really, really trying to make it work with Ethan. And, uh, she says, look, there are friends. I love them. There are friends. She's doing the April thing. Uh, just playing right along. She says, uh, she's going to be the life of the party. Just you wait. Cut to Dominic kicking me and Lucia out, but at least he pays. Keep track of that caps. one for later. <laughs> Apparently he pays them three grand for the evening along with everything they've been charged to the room. Now, Spencer, you're a man who knows the sex uh, trade uh, very well. You know the sex worker trade very well. Um, do you think this is in line with market prices? Is this reasonable for you, 3K for one night? I think it's very above rate. I think it's also very above, um, um, not Mia, but sorry. Lucia. 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 Uh, at very above what her rate was. This, this seemed so. like yeah. it was an exceptionally generous tip on top of what had been previously agreed, which, you know, kudos, right thing to do. Uh, but I, I think this is part of the reason that she's aiming for this clientele, is that she's setting her rate on Instagram under a certain expectation that the tips will be very generous thereafter, and it's the tips that make everything run. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, you know, like, I'm not, I'm really, I'm not talking about the, obviously not talking about the sex worker trade right now. I don't like, I don't like that price model where like, yeah, I'll come clean your house for a hundred bucks or whatever, but I expect some sort of like 
amorphous, generous tip. It's like, just give me the fucking price. Give me the price. Sir, Japan. Go to Japan. Live in Japan. You will have people actually run after your car to return tips. It's the weirdest fucking thing. Well, Africa's kind of the same way. Now, they'll negotiate the base price, but then the base price is just the base price. Yes. Um, They're they're haggling up front, but then it's agreed. Bert leaves his room and sees me and Lucia. And I'm calling her Lucia because I'm English. I think it's Lucia in Italian, but I'm going to say Lucia, okay? It's Lucia for me because I'm American. Uh, And says, good morning to them. Uh, So he knows immediately. He knows. Cut to breakfast. I I adored the little smile on his face afterwards. And also just the jaunty step he goes afterwards. He's not judging among... Unlike other characters throughout this episode, he's not judging his son. He's just almost amused by it. Yeah, cut to breakfast and Harper and Ethan walk up to Cameron and Daphne and immediately Harper starts in. Did you see this guy this morning? It was so gorgeous. Like, oh, oh my God. Like, oh. I, I, I delighted in her struggle. I mean, you can just almost see the wheels turning her head. It's like, what do vapid people talk about? What do vapid people talk about? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, wasn't the sky pretty? Oh, that's a lovely dress. It's like she's going off a checkbook of... What have people said in Facebook comments before? It was sort of unbelievable. Um, and I'd also like to point out that Daphne, uh, that, that Harper has her I'm having fun headband on. Yes. Now, this by far, there's a lot of like kind of cute things that happen. In this, episode. this by far is the cutest thing in the episode. If I was the even, headband? I would be, oh, I'd be over. It's, I would, it's I would look at, I would look at her and I'd go, I love my wife. Like that for her, like, I feel like for Harper, the headband is such a concession. It's such a big thing that she's doing. She, she doesn't wear these types of things, right? And, and they even call her out on it, and she's so uncomfortable that she's even wearing it. But it's it's just emblematic of how much she's trying, right? It, it, it is. And I love that it's Daphne that is the first one to compliment her about it. Because yeah. it's almost, we referred to Daphne as being the social media coordinator, as being the social coordinator in this friend group. And I think it's proven true there of where obviously that's a new touch. Obviously that's kind of like the focal point of her look today. Of course, Daphne's going to compliment her on it and say it looks it looks nice and cute. So, da- Harper does do the thing that I have seen women who don't know each other that well do, who are trying to interact in a positive way. So, the first thing they do is compliment each other's clothes, right? Yes. Um, Easy start. Th- by the way, I'm not saying across the board. It just happens sometimes, right? Don't fucking well, kill me in the comments. It, it's, um, a, it's a simple conversation opener. Yeah, well, wears clothes. So my, yeah, right. But my, my, my question for you is what is the equivalent for men, right? Like, cause the, Hey, that's a, that's a good looking top. I like your jacket. I like your shoes, whatever. Women do that. I don't think, it, I don't what think is it among have, men? I don't think men have an appearance one that they comment about as much. It's not appearance, but I, I, I think they, you you're excluded from this. You're at the club. I think it might be sports. I think it might sports be is right to sports. It, sports is, sports is the safe thing to talk about of where it's not politics even if you disagree or have opposing teams it's just fun in that way it's the safe opening topic that unfairly generalizing you can assume that someone has an opinion on to start so it is such a thing for me to like go right to that that like we have a friend group that every sunday morning we get up and we uh get on a call and we hang out right for like because we're all across the country and it's our way of just staying connected I have had to over the over about two years we've been doing this three years during COVID train myself not to get on and immediately start talking about sports because that's my go to with guys and I've done it with you guys and y'all just glaze over at me but that just shows how ingrained you've it is. Got, in you've me. got Levi, he's got some interest. Uh, I get a lot of because it's usually college athletics. Like yeah. I go, I that's my go to right. So I th- I think that's kind of what she's playing on, but I think men, in my experience, go with the sports thing. 
But I, I very much agree. It's not appearance. It's it, it, men don't have like the "I love what you've done with your hair" as the opening no. conversation cut. That, 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 that's just not the routine. Although my hair is kind of dope. You see this? Face? You know, it does look, look nice. nice. Where'd you get it done? Uh, a barber, believe it or not. Can you believe oh, that? <laughs> is that where that happens? <laughs> so that, that's why I haven't cut my hair in six months. I've been yeah. so confused. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to show you the barber at one point. You is actually that, go to is one. that the thing with the spiral cute colors, the, the, the little bar that hangs in front of the places? That's yeah, pretty cool. They give you a lollipop, too. It's like the bank. Oh, you uh, sold me on it now, right there. So they talk about her headband, and she goes, thanks, it's my new Italian style. And I'm just... At 11 with frustration with Ethan because he could, he sells her out during this conversation. I don't know if you noticed this. Like he's like smiling he's at her, but it's not. Eyes. He's rolling his eyes. He's smiling over the top. He's smiling at times that makes me think he – like if I was Cameron and I was watching how he was smiling, I would think he didn't agree. He, like I would think that what she's saying is he, fake if that he, makes sense. He's smiling at moments of when she's being put on the spot, which she's being knocked out of her comfort zone, which – that could be fine if that was their kind of playful, play, playful relationship, but it isn't. They don't so, have that kind of playful relationship to have that kind of smiling at each other's, you know, foibles or faults. It would be like if we were out and you started talking. You have your, you know, you have your three bullet points about three three bullet points about sports that you know that you can yes. throw out there. If you started that and I was just like over the top smiling and like looking at you, like it would be selling you out that you, what you're saying is fake, right? That's kind of what Ethan's yeah. doing to her. And I just, he's just nowhere near supportive during this first, like, well, entire episode, really. I, I, ver I very much agree. He at no point seems to either accept that she's uncomfortable or make an effort to save her with respect to that or just bolster up or support her. He's viewing this like he's just an out, that like they're not in a relationship and he's just another friend at the table. And yeah. Un yep. that's apparent, I think, to both Daphne and Cameron as they're looking at this. Yeah, Uncle Lee out there to the kids. If your significant other is in a conversation and is starting to drown, save them. It's not a movie. You're not sitting back and watching this for your own entertainment. <laughs> I, I, jump, oh, jump in and help them. Only one person can fit on that door, man. That's how oh, it works. James Titanic. Cameron told me. <laughs> I'll never forget, Jack. I'll never forget. I'll never let go. It uh, would have flipped. You gotta leave them to drown. Yeah, I mean, you, you clearly, it's like, it's like Rick and zigzagging, right? You can't, I mean, obviously you can't get off, like no, rotate no, on the, the door. No, if he tried to zigzag, you would have zagged right into the air. It's just how fate I a, works. I got a question for you about this. So we we grew up at a time you probably watched Titanic what in the movie theater when you were twelve? Is that right? Oh, uh, not sure. 14? About that age, yeah. Somewhere we can't remember about that. You clearly watched it in the theater though. The entire yes. generation did, right? Okay. All right. So you are one of the more critical people I've ever met. I don't. I, you know I love you, but you are. Um. You had to be out of your mind at the end of that scene, right? When, when she's like not rotating onto the no. door. Did you ruin it for your sister? Did you no. go, well, you know what you should do is really... Not even a bit. You know why? Because it is a recurring phrase I love to use. They gave me the sentence. They gave me the explanation of when he tries to climb up and it damn near flips. That's but they, all didn't, I they can rotate. Rotate. Doesn't matter. They had the moment. And that, I, I was in it. <laughs> okay. You, you give me you you give me you give me any ammo, I'm gonna be with you to the end. Doesn't require much. Just take the time to explain yourself. Oh my goodness, I can't that 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 now that's an upset for me. I thought you would have been grumpy in the theater. I thought you'd have been. Nah, grumpy in the I, I thought it was. I mean, it's a film with faults, but I think it was very successful at what it wants what it wants to go for at almost every moment. Basically, you could just like put that on every James Cameron movie, can't you? 
It has its faults, but it's successful in what it's trying to do. Terminator 2 is a damn fine film, sir. I, I was thinking more Avatar. It's a, that's it, a, good, a good explanation for Avatar. It's a very good, ex, it's a, it's a, it's a very good explanation for uh, James Cameron films after a certain point in time. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, post-Titanic came James Cameron. Um, so then um, we get a look from Ethan, and Harper then says he wants to go to Spencer's favorite place in the entire buffet, uh, or in the hotel at the buffet, right? So um, she leaves. And then Cameron and Daphne shoot each other looks like, uh, what the hell is going on with Harper? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so she made an impression right away, right? Um, uh, couple leaves together to go to the buffet. If you're the couple that's left behind, do you assume things? Yes. Like they, they, like they purposely just left together for a reason? Yeah, yeah, they're trying to get it. Well, they, except, well, not, not you, because you would be just going to the buffet, but, like, everybody else, right? I would be like, yeah, they're trying to get away from me, for sure. Oh, yeah, if there's a buffet, I'm just spending most of my time there. It's no insult yeah. to you. There's a buffet. <laughs> Yeah, when Spencer goes to the buffet, it's not about you. It's about him. Cut to Albie walking up to Portia. He sits down and tells her that, for the record, he did want to go into her room last night. I mean, look, I tried to – look, I, Albie is so good looking that it's very difficult for me to think he might have problems with women. You, but the, you right, but fight the, me on the charisma point previously. But, but the writers are trying to undo that opinion of mine. They're trying to – Show me a guy that, no matter how good he looks, is going to be bad with women. Because Wolf, he is pretty rough. He is terrible. He this episode. He, he is all, all sorts of not great. And I have, I, I'm of two minds. One, it is freaking frustrating to watch this character this episode at almost every turn. It's not a great, not a great look for him interacting with a lot of different characters. On the other hand. I think they're setting up well that so much of how he's interacting with other people is driven by his relationship with his dad and what he's seen where his dad is messed up and how much that's hurt other people that he's just so colossally overcorrecting that it's almost leading to a point of being non-functional in terms of interacting with others. Now... Yeah, that, that's... I think that... Yeah, that checks out. Um... So he then says, um, you know what, you know, what's interesting though, like in this part, I think you're right about your, uh, I'm, I'm processing what you're saying. I think you're right. But I also think that like Portia says, well, then you should have come in. And there's a little bit, a little bit of that is on her, right? Cause she never invited him in the night it, before, but she kind of throws it at him. Like he's an idiot for not having come in the night before. So like, these are two people just bumbling about in this. Oh, they're both terrible at what they're doing. They're terrible in very different ways. Uh, I, I saw people online taking very vehement stances of whether they were team Albie or team Portia. Oh. I'm looking at these two saying, no, they're both idiots. They're both, they're idiots. both yeah, not, sure. com they're both not communicating what they want. They both have their own issues, depressions, prior family trauma that's informing how they just can't have an honest interaction COVID. with each other about what they want. COVID is a big factor, particularly for Portia. Uh, not as much from Albie that we've seen so far, though. It's harder to tell. But, it, yeah. It might I, be why he sucks at this so bad, because he might have been inside for three years. That, that, I, think, I think that's a reasonable thing to contribute. But, yeah, I, I'm not team either of these people. These are both very flawed people in terms of how they interact with each other. Neither of them are being very honest with each other about what they want or how to go about it. And both are interacting with each other based on what they're bringing to the situation, which is a hell of a lot of messed up in both their cases. So I have no hopes for either of these two working out in any way that's pleasant. And that's only getting worse over time. 
And that really is something, Spencer, that you only think because the patriarchy has made you think that over time. We're going to talk about that scene. We're going to talk about that scene. I know it pissed you off, but we're going to talk about that scene when it gets there. I didn't say it pissed me off. I was just saying that you've been brainwashed by the patriarchy to say exactly what you're saying right now. That's all I'm saying. Um, so, Which is always a delightful phrase to say because there's nothing you could respond to that phrase. It's like your statement okay. is, is that society has made me how I am. Yes. I can't say anything other than that. Yes. Yeah, it really is kind of a non-starter in a conversation when you say somebody like, hey, yeah, you're just fundamentally flawed and wrong because of the way you were raised and you think that way and you're broken. It's like, all right. Don't really know where to go from there. Data point on that one. Thank you. He says he doesn't want to feel make people feel uncomfortable. And she says, I don't think you're the type of guy that could ever make someone feel uncomfortable in that way. You know, or you could probably go a little bit in the other direction, actually. And when she says it, she immediately changes the subject and starts talking about how she's stuffing her face with food and this self-deprecating thing. But she was trying to give him some advice there. And he picks up on it. And he he actually asks her, like, be more aggressive. And like, come on, Albie. Like, just you don't ask that question. Remember the overcorrection thing I said a minute ago? Let's watch it happen again as he tries desperately to accommodate what she just expressed. And it never at any point either is successful or comes across as anything resembling natural. It's it's pretty terrible. Um, So I do have to say, though, a point for Portia, for Team Portia, is that if there are breakfast buffets on vacation... I do tend to overeat at them. Like I, I, I think yes. that's a very fair point. Like I'm about to, I'm, I'm gearing up here for the Con of Thrones, uh, the Game of Thrones conference in about three weeks. Here's the danger, Spencer. Yes. Hotel is in the same building as the con, so I'm just going straight from my room, straight to a buffet, straight to the thing, back to a buffet. I think I'm in for some overeating. I think she's right about this. I think I'm going to be just doing some overeating are, here. Are um, you suggesting right there's? Are you suggesting there isn't a two thousand calorie minimum every time you go to a buffet? Have I been yeah. eating buffets wrong? Well, right for you. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to talk about you. <laughs> it's one of the things. That if there's just endless bacon available, I'm like, it would be rude for me not to take thirds. I mean, it's if you're there, they made it for me. If it's from room to buffet to right to the event, all yeah. in the same roof, my overeating, I just go I mean, crazy at this yeah, point. I mean, and, the, and by the way, that's kind of the situation they're in, right? Because it's kind of an all-inclusive resort. They're staying in the resort most days, yes. so. They're kind of in the same boat. You, you don't have to go far or work to get as much food as you want. And if it's good, it finds a way to keep getting to you. Cuts Dominique and Bert. Bert asks Dominique about the girls. And Dominique tries to play dumb. They're, they're just together at the buffet. Albie's not around. Um, Bert keeps pushing. And Dominique never admits to it. But he does tell Bert not to mention it in front of Albie. Bert doesn't promise. Just glibly walks off with a big smile on his Look face. Look at the cannolis. Got this, yeah. You always take, you always do take the cannoli, though. I just want to point that the out. Godfather the Godfather references in this show. You leave yes. the gun. You do have to take the cannoli. You do leave the gun. That's a very important I, part. It, in fairness to both Clemenza and Bert, and Bert here, they're good cannolis there. They're drawing my eye. Good cannolis are a good thing. Now, a question on the cannoli. Have you ever gracefully eaten a cannoli? There's no human way you can. I, well, I feel like it's kind of like I, I always get the cr- the cream mustache or, from the cannoli, or, or, or I try to use the fork and knife and look like an idiot, like the gallon yeah, 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 That was what I was gonna say. Is like that, that's the way you eat the braces with the fork and knife, and you just know with every bite, I'm not doing this the right way, and everyone's judging me. I wish I could watch. Oh man, I wish I could watch you eat a cannoli with a fork and knife. I bet it is a. I bet you enjoy it, but I bet there is room for laughter. Now, when I eat a cannoli, it is just everywhere by the end of it. I, I, I am going to enjoy it in a way that my beard will let me enjoy later. 
Yeah, so that, that, that's the lesson out there. Everybody struggles eating a cannoli. However, they're delicious. Cut to Portia. She looks miserable as Alvy's taking selfies. Uh, she says she has to find another job. I think I'm just in a weird place. You know, I've been feeling so depressed at home. I just thought I'd come here and feel something. Is everything boring? And this is the moment, Spencer, where I started to turn a little bit on Portia and like her a little bit more. Portia, welcome to being an adult. Yes. Yeah. Everything's kind of boring. Pretty much every adult multiple times in their life goes, is this it? Is this, is this it? Is this all, yeah. all it is? Yeah. Haven't I done this 10 times already? Like she's in a, Tuesday? is this it? She's in a, is this what? it mindset? And it's pretty relatable. Have you ever heard of a Paris syndrome, by the way? No. Paris syndrome is an actual medical condition of well, where it's the feeling of intense depression that comes to people upon realizing that Paris is not the perfect dream city that they've built it up to be. Uh, primarily affects, oddly enough, people from Japan and East Asia, like uh, South Korea, Japan, uh, China. Uh, to the point that ho- French hospitals even have like wings dedicated to it to address tourists each year. This character is going through a mild version of that. Of, like you said, it's realizing that there isn't just this magical world that you can find outside of yourself. You're not going to fix all your problems by going overseas, by finding some illustrious castle somewhere. Your problems are going to follow you wherever you go. And your perspective on the world is going to follow you wherever you go. You can only make the world look so pretty when you yourself are looking at it as crap with every given day. So this is it's a certain mix of, dear, you may just be depressed and you kind of need to alter your mindset. But also, as you said, there also is a certain, is a certain growing up of find a way to be happy and enjoy your day. You don't need much. You don't need to go overseas. What you're in is lovely and wonderful. Find a way to enjoy it. Well said. That's that. That's really the only secret, Portia. That's the only secret to life. It's not that it gets exciting. It's not that things start to just happen that you never dreamed of. Uh, it's that you just got to find a way to enjoy where you are, where you're sitting, and what your life is currently. Yeah. So if you can't so, do that, you're going to be unhappy pretty much everywhere you go. Some of the happiest moments <laughs> in my relationship have just been the two of us curled up in the corner of a restaurant reading together. Is that exciting by any like film or television show definition? No. But it was absolute bliss because we were together and we were doing something that was fun to us. Find a way to enjoy the little things. It's the only way that life becomes bearable. Look at look at us giving life advice. We're just going to have to... We're going to change this from comedy to like inspirational. That's what we're doing. Hey, I, to, I told you. This episode weren't more philosophical than comedy for most of it. Albie tries to say, no, 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 no. Life is great. Uh, I feel like you must have... There must have been a time... This is uh, Porsche again. I feel like there must have been a time when the world had more like mystery no. or something. No. And now you come somewhere and it's beautiful and you realize everyone has taken the exact same picture from the exact same spot. And you've just made some redundant content from Instagram and you can't even get that's lost anymore. Okay. You'll find yourself on Google Maps. And yes, that's... It's, like, it's new to you. That's all that matters. Every day is new to you and it's blissful. It doesn't matter if someone's a thousand times better at anything you enjoy. If you're enjoying it, you're winning. Yeah, that's the like relationship advice you gave a couple episodes, right? Like if you're if you're enjoying it, then you've figured it out. Yeah. Like it's kind of the same thing with life. Like if you if you if you're having a good day, then you've kind of figured it out. Right. Uh, Albie right. offers uh, to throw her phone in the ocean. Uh, this doesn't land with her, but like there's a kernel of truth in this. Like what Albie is basically saying is like, hey, I think you might be a little too online, and I don't think that's like revolutionary in what Porsche is saying. Like, but the problem is she's so disinterested and and resentful and frustrated with Albie and his approach to like everything that she can't take the kernels of truth that he gives her what? right she just doesn't pick up on any of it 
It's an interesting thing to watch the two of them. Before one of Alby's problems is that he keeps just correcting himself to try to make other people happy or respond to other people, and so it doesn't mm. come across as natural. <clears throat> and meanwhile, Portia is complaining about everything, but she has no inertia. She's just suffering from utter inertia. She has no forward momentum to fix any of her problems. She's complaining about her boss. She's complaining about how she's not enjoying the trip. She's complaining about how she is, she's not turned on by Alby. Is she doing any of these things? To fi- anything to fix anything? These things? No. Same thing with her phone. Of where she's talking about. Oh, everyone's already done everything. There's no mystery in the world. Our phone could tell us everything. And Alby says, "Well, maybe put your phone away." And she just keeps scrolling on it. Yep. It's fun to see the two of them have. She actually she does scoff at him. She does. She doesn't just keep doing it. Yeah. She scoffs at. She scoffs at what he says. They're both. Their problems are both self-inflicted, but completely different ways of where he's making too much of an effort to adjust and change, and she's making none. I Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can get super preachy on this, and I'm going to try not to, but like, I, I fundamentally believe that like you just have to, not not you, I, have to be happy with my day. Like, I, I, yes. when I wake up on it, wait, this is a Tuesday, I wake up on a Tuesday, when I do stuff on a Tuesday, if I'm not happy with my Tuesday, then then that's the problem. I want to fix the not being happy with the Tuesday. The, the problem isn't that I'm not in Paris, right, or that I'm not in Sicily. The problem is I'm not happy with my Tuesday. That's the end of my preaching on that, Uncle Lee to the kids. Cuts to Daphne telling Harper that she wants to go to Noto Spencer. you got to go to Noto. Got to go to Noto Spencer. you got I've, to. you got I've, to. Wait, wait, wait. You haven't been to Noto? <laughs> No, Where been, have but you, you been? But, but you you've got to go. you got to go. you got to go. Daphne pushes Cameron on this, but he's already booked jet skis for him. He actually says this line. Love this line. Babe, I want a jet ski. <laughs> Dude, sometimes you want a jet ski. He did, he did sound 12. He sounded 12. I want a but jet no, ski. He sounded 12 when he said, I already said I booked jet skis for me and E. Already sounded 12 then. And then yep. doubling down with, babe, I want a jet ski. Like he's a petulant child. It's yep. like... Oh, we're getting to see a fun side of Cameron this episode. Uh, Cameron says he doesn't know when he'll get weather like this again. Although it seems to me that the weather's like that every single day in Sicily. I, well, I don't know why. He's about that what we've seen so far, it seems to be like that every day. Daphne says the only thing she wanted to do while she's there. I want to get Christmas presents, which, by the way, I am on Daphne's side on this. It is an absolutely reasonable thing to do when you are vacationing to go to the little gift shops and pick up things as gifts for people. I, I do this all, every year, I, everywhere I go on vacation, one of the things I do on my list is I go to the gift shops, I buy stuff for gifts, for Christmas gifts, etc. This is not weird. He acts like it's weird because it's July. Who the fuck? Cameron's an idiot. Who the fuck doesn't buy? You don't just buy gifts the first week of December. Like sometimes you buy them ahead of time. He, he's an idiot. I, well, I'm on Daphne's side on this. I brand. fully agree with you in theory. <clears throat> we worked under the assumption that I ever bought gifts for people. But, you know, accepting that just kind of, you know, fundamental disagreement with my personality, I understand your point. Perfectly. It's like, you're in Italy now. This would be a lovely place to buy gifts for people. And, you know, they'll have extra meaning because they're coming from part of your trip. And you can tie them to a story and whatever else. Why wouldn't you while you're here? But not how Cameron thinks. Spencer, the problem isn't gifts. It's the first part of that sentence. I buy <laughs> that's the problem for you. you, you see, the, the concepts of gift, I think you are actually a generous person. But the I buy, oh, that seems tough for you. I know you said a word, but your mouth just opened and I just heard static. I, 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 maybe it's something my ears right now. Sorry, was, sorry, sorry, Lee. I'm, I'm too busy counting my money. What did you say? I don't I don't know what you said. I'm, I'm counting. I have my ones in my basement. <laughs> ones. <laughs> sure. Yes. <laughs> it connects to later this episode. Uh, having a lot of ones on you. 
Um, Daphne says it's <laughs> fine. Um, you guys should do your jet ski, and I'll just go by myself. Unless you want to come. Harper picked an interesting day to be fun Harper. Because she could have said no yesterday or the day before, but she's fun Harper today, and she actually says yes. She picked a great day to be fun Harper. Like, <laughs> not, not, it'd be awkward for you to go out with Daphne, but just, you know, from a generic standpoint, going out for a I'd day in the town with Daphne, wouldn't that be Harper. a blast? I don't think it'd be awkward. I'd go with her in a heartbeat. She seems great. She's, it, she also it, seems to be somebody who has very clear lines about what it, she wants it, and doesn't want. It would purely be awkward for me just because of Cameron. It's like, that guy, I don't know what, what's going on exactly in the relationship or how Cameron's going to react for me being alone with his wife. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. She seems like a good hang, though. Uh, she's Absolutely. Every, but, you know, but we do go back to a universal truth. We hit one universal truth in episode one, which is that you obviously don't fly through Rome. You fly through Munich. Everybody knows that. Of course. Second universal truth uh, given to us in episode three is you got to go to Noto. So, Spencer, you got to go to Noto. And they're going to Noto. They're going to Noto while the two of them are staying behind to go on jet skis. Personally, I think one set of them is winning this is winning this particular fight right now. Yeah, we'll have that conversation. The comparison we will the two, the two nights. Yeah, cut to Dominique and Bert. Bert says he's planned something for them today. Explains he couldn't sleep because of the noise. Hint, hint. And mm. he's planned a tour of where they shot the Godfather. Shout out to Bert. That sounds like a fun day to me to go around to all the Godfather places that they shot and like see it and hear from the locals about the show. That sounds good. Bert is taking initiative in this trip he's not like he's not doing the thing that a lot of people who reach about 80 do Mm -hmm. by the way which is they sit back and let everybody do everything for them yeah let everything but we'll let everybody do everything for them and say well where are we going you tell me bert bert planned a day shout out to bert bert planned a freaking awesome day i would love that i would really love to do that just like tour around italy going to the various places the the godfather parts one and maybe part two were shot but not sounds like a blast yeah Uh, sounds like a lot of fun it, this is the moment of where I start to find both Porsche and Albi utterly insufferable there for were, how much were. they piss on this day. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I mean, because like Bert took like if if you don't like The Godfather, that's fine. And if you don't even really want to go to where they shot the scenes, that's fine. But I think that like some um, showing that showing some bit of appreciation that he took the initiative, I think is important. Right. Like to say thank you for trying to plan something for us. Like, thanks, Grandpa. Like. He gets none of that. They are they are pretty pretty jackass to him. Meanwhile, Portia tries to politely exit, and I'll she does. Just... She actually starts to say, "I don't really want to," and then he goes, "No, you're going. You're going. I'm being aggressive. Do you see? Me being... You're going. I'm being it aggressive. Was... Do you see me being aggressive?" It was so <sighs> awkward, Ter- terrible, terrible. It was so poorly implemented. I almost thought he was being. <laughs> if he had even an ounce more charisma, I'd almost assume he was being willfully mocking of her. Awful. Terrible. But it's like, dude, dear Christ, obviously that's not what she meant. Read a, read the damn signs, read the tea leaves here. He, yeah, it's tough. Because she's actually saying, I don't want to go, she, right? She's expressing an opinion. Kudos to her. Support her in this regard. Yeah, cut to Greg and Tanya. She's crying at breakfast. She starts in about the prenub and actually mentions the idea of getting, the pre, getting rid of the prenub, which got me to scream at my screen. No! Please don't, Tanya. Please don't get rid of your prenup. And then mentions again and again. Um, Greg mentions again and again that he's coming back in two days. Spencer, I'm starting to think he might actually come back in two days. I think he's coming back in two days because I, I need him to because he's, he's still lead on my death list. I think he is. Um, he also I, mentions that he's done a lot. She's done a lot for him and she's found him, those doctors, and he's going to live because of her. Spencer, what do we make of all this? 
I we didn't know this before, right? Well, no, we do know. No, we knew he he told Tanya in season one that he was really sick. Well, no, but we didn't know that he'd been cured effectively, or at least exactly. treated. That's a new data point we didn't have before. Of where, and almost the fact that he was sick was that just something that was almost a perk for because it was an aspect of codependence that you know she could further feed on. Now that she, now that he has received treatment and expensive doctors, and you know he's going to live because of her. I was watching this going, does he even need anything anymore right at this point? Uh, clearly he has aspirations for greater, but he's already milked this cow. Theory time. Theory time mm. with Lee. I don't think he was ever sick. I don't think there were oh, ever any doctors. I don't think there were ever any Interesting. doctors. Interesting. Your trust I, in this character is gone. This I think that he, yes, I think he used the sick thing to get close to Tanya. And I think she cut massive checks, which he cashed. And just took the money with his real wife. And it's all part of the scam. I think he is a complete carniac. He's a 100% scam artist. I don't think he was ever sick. I think it's all bullshit. Can you imagine a world of where you, you're, mar- you're married to someone who has what you is being told is a serious or terminal illness. Of where you'd be so removed from their treatment you wouldn't be able to check that. Like you Tanya. Wouldn't have, ta- Tanya, absolutely. I just can't imagine a world for me where that would be the case. No, it would ne- never, because I would be at the doctor's office. I would be looking, yes, pouring over the insurance statements. I'd be doing all this stuff. Tanya, however, I do think that she could 100%. cut a check and say, and he could also, he could also, she's so childish that he could also come back and say, they cured me. And she would just go, yippee. Like she, like that would, how that's how that would work, right? Yeah, did they ever say what his condition was last season? I can't no. remember. Mm-hmm. I, I, my, the vibe was vaguely cancery. Yeah, but which the factor yeah. in indicating cured should already be suspicious in that regard. One is not typically cured of cancer. Yeah, broke brocositis is what he had. And <laughs> cured, she cured it with a bunch of checks from Tanya. Um, so she keeps crying. Greg says couples always don't always get along. You knew I wasn't great at this. I've been married four times. Tanya starts to cry and says, "I thought it was only three. Do you think he's misspoke there, Spencer? Do you think he misspoke, mm-hmm. counting, counting? Uh, I'm not sure. Count, counting, counting the wife that she doesn't know about, maybe." I, I, if he did misspoke, his cover was pretty effective because I can purely picture Tanya not doing the math on that. Yeah, she continues to cry really over the top. Uh, I find this actress hilarious. Uh, I I love her I, character I, acting. I, she makes me laugh. I, the actress is hilarious. <laughs> that, that, that whole, like she's being shot. <laughs> yes. Actively punched upwards in the diaphragm for the really, yeah. really funny. Really funny stuff. I, fully there with you that the actress is great. She plays the character perfectly. I find the character insufferable. But that's yeah, what they're yeah, yeah. going for, so no. I can't judge them that hard. No, they're not. She's she's charming and cute. What is wrong with you? She's not insufferable. How, how dare you, sir? You made that fully through that statement stone-faced. My compliments to your acting. Your acting, sir. Let me compliment I, as well. Look, I can see how you would think she's insufferable, right? But I, I honestly think that she's – I think – she has stunted development, obviously. Yes. She she has the emotional intelligence of like a preteen. But I still think that she's one of the few good, genuinely good-hearted people that we meet in this whole thing. I don't think she has ill or evil intent in her. I or, it, let's Let's not use the word evil. Super self. I don't think she's overly self-interested. I think she's just a nice person. I think she means well. But I think there she has go. such a warped view of the world, warped perspective on it, that she's constantly going wrong and constantly... There's got to be an element of self-absorption here, or that she's so twisted a world she can't fully empathize with those around her. She does a lot of things that are just almost designed... 
if from any other person you would assume they're malevolent, but from her they're just naivete, maybe. Cut scenes downtown Sicily, it looks like. Cut to Mia and Lucia in a dress shop, and Mia picks out a dress for Lucia with her half. Lucia's like, Your half? You passed out and didn't even sleep with him. I gotta say, I'm on Lucia's side. I'm on Lucia's side here. I'm not sure Mia gets half for that. Mia's answers. Mia answers said, well, well, I would have. I would have. So I, I should have got the half. I would have done the work, Spencer. So you should pay me. Yeah, I almost um, feel like she should have gotten a certain amount of a finder's fee of where Mia's presence got him in the door. It's just once yeah. they were there, Lucia did all the work. Yeah, I I, I, I think that their money's kind of co-mingled at this point. They seem joined at the hip. Um, they are, and they're delightful for it. I, I love these two characters. Uh, she then hits her with uh, spend money to make money, which is a Maxim Spencer obviously lives by. Says this all the time. Spend money, make money. I hear this from you constantly. I think you have t-shirts to say that. And then they get a tad pushy with the person working there and trying to buy a dress. This was, we've, we've seen them do this before when they were like looking at a shop saying, I'm going to buy that shop someday and, and sell you. This is them having a bit of money and trying to act like they're rich and lord it over other people. It's like, for the moment, I'm not in the service industry anymore. I'm a customer. I get to direct you how you want. They're purposely putting on airs, which is simultaneously cute and also frustrating to see how naturally they fall into that. That's where the term new money comes from, I think. When people feel the need to do things like that. I, I think that's where that comes from. Um, cut to Daphne and Cameron and Harper and Ethan. A bit of a different goodbye between the two couples, I would say. <laughs> Uh, not quite the same. Da- Harper seems pretty frustrated with Ethan in the car. Daphne tells Harper she's glad she came. And we see just how fake Harper's smile is a few times because she does that sort of sellout smile. You turn your head, frown. You come back, smile. Turn your head, frown. Yes. Deal. Just just um, for others, not for yourself. Then we see me and Lucia come back to the hotel. So I don't know how these these girls, they're tough because they're not sleeping that much. And they're just going, they're going out to the shops probably getting caffeinated maybe a drink or two boom back at the hotel i mean they're they're working the buffet is at the hotel (laughs) they're just spending all day at the buffet clearly what else would someone do at a hotel i gotta say the buffet that i have seen them at um starts with dark rum and ends with light vodka that's the buffet (laughs) i've seen them at uh, it is true that they are living on what appears to be a primarily liquid dodge. <laughs> yeah, they're having they're having a heck of a time. Uh, then we cut with the scene where they filmed. Uh, cut to the scene where they filmed Apollonia's death in they The did. Godfather. Uh, uh, this does actually look like the real place. Kudos I think to the it show. Is. I think it is. Shout out. Yeah, Bert is explaining the scene to them. He ends it with, "She blows up. It was a great scene." <laughs> well said. Well said. Portia looks at the car, the mannequin that they have staged there, and says she blows up. She says it's a little tasteless, maybe. I don't agree that it's tasteless. It's a, it's fake. It's a movie. Well, um, I think she's talking about the mannequin. That, that's, Which I think, still agree. Do think, but I think, Do you think that's tasteless? Like, I, it's fake. Like, they're, they're just showing you where everything was at. Like, Yeah. I, 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 I don't agree with her, uh, but I saw some people online saying that she was commenting on, oh, they killed her in the film. That's tasteless. I, I thought she was talking about the mannequin. People die in films. I, I don't. Yeah. She hasn't seen the film, so she can't say if it's tasteless, right? What? Um, what, what, what well, she's seen you... parts of it. She said, I've seen parts of it. I, she, I love that. On you too. Clips on YouTube. See, the, this kills me when people do this, where you say, um, hey, uh, have you seen the movie um, Apollo 2? Apollo Creed 2. Uh, Creed 2. Uh, it's yeah. Creed, Creed, Creed 2. Mm-hmm. And they go, yeah, you know, like a, a few parts, like here. It's like, just say no. Like, yes. 
what what is yeah. uh, just a few parts here and there? That is that, that, that the point of the question is: Do you know the film? Yes or can, no? Don't try to save face by telling me you've seen a couple clips. Can, can I can I give you an example that's actually true for me there? Yeah, because it came out the other day. Uh, Spencer, have you seen Community? Ah, I've seen parts of it. That's actually true, just because I've watched so, maybe three parts of three episodes. So that is fun. So a television show to me, a serial a television story. show is yes. fundamentally different. If you're talking about a book or a, t- or a movie, if you ask somebody, have you seen it? And they go, yeah, but I can't remember it. Or yeah, but I, yeah, just a couple, cl- just say no, people just say no. She should have said, no, I haven't seen the Godfather. The, 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 That's my is, thought. That's my this thought. is like you reading the first 10 pages of guards, guards, and then the Wikipedia entry. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Mangum Reads, another podcast we do. I think the second episode I joined, I had read a little bit of the Wikipedia joined and uh, talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what she did with The Godfather, yes. Uh, Bert uh, says he doesn't think that it was in bad taste. He doesn't really understand why she would say that. And um, Bert then says, look, this is kind of a cool place. This is Hollywood Grounds where they filmed one of the greatest, I think he says the best American movie ever made. He does. Um, Albie says, no, it's not just immediately. And he says, it's, it's nostalgic. Uh, you're nostalgic for the solid days of the patriarchy. Dominic chimes in and says, they're undeniably great movies. And Albie goes on. Here we go. You ready, Spencer? Sit back in class. Professor Albie is ready to lead feminism 101 for you. Men love the God. Men love the Godfather because they feel emasculated by modern society. It's a fantasy about a time when you could go out and solve all your problems with violence and sleep with every woman and then come home. To their wife, who doesn't ask them any questions and makes them pasta. Has this man ever actually watched The Godfather? Because no, he that, said no. He said no. He hasn't. What uh, did Albie actually say? Yeah, I, 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 I remember. Think he, I think he did. Yeah, that's not even an attempt at being accurate of what the film's going for, or even just the experience of watching the film. It's like, no, I have never watched that film and went. I feel restored as a man from this experience. Like, that is not at all what Coppola was going for when he made that movie. And also, for the record, truly deserves the title of one of the best films of all time. It's an incredibly well done, well acted, well produced, well filmed movie. I think that he is conflating the Godfather with gangster porn, right? And when I say porn, I just mean like, you know, like over the top, like... So Scarface. Scarface is a movie that people watch and go, I want to be like Tony Montana. I want to do da, 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 da. Which is still a weird read, but yes, people do that. I don't think that's quite what The Godfather is. And I think that he's just lumping it all together. And I think that he really is just using the guy. It's not about the movie. He's using The Godfather to comment on the fact that he thinks that his grandfather and father are cavemen who don't understand society. That's what he's trying to say. Which, again, just screams hypercorrection to me on his part. That he's just so much not trying to be like the prime members of his family. He's just being contrary. Yeah. Um, Bert says, hey, hey, hey. Uh, it's a normal male fantasy. LB continues. Movies like that. Um, socialize men into having that fantasy. Dominic counters movies like that exist because men already have that fantasy. We're hardwired. I didn't think two people could be arguing different sides of a coin and I could disagree with them both, but I do. I disagree with both these guys. I, I, um, I, I disagree with their respective reads on the film. Even It's like, you guys watched Godfather part three and you left that inspired about what being a man was. Albie then pulls the big guns. Gender is a construct. It's created. You got that Spencer? Gender's construct is created. Don't get in trouble. Don't get in trouble I, I, in the comments. I, I, Don't you, get in trouble. You, you see me not saying a damn word right now. I, no. it, I, I, I honestly thought Bert's response to, you know, Albie's little rant here is that 
Okay, so I see you're quoting a course that you took to me right now. Fine, understood. How, what grade did you get in the course? Um, for the record, I do believe gender is a construct. Um, but that's not the point of the conversation. I think Albie's being rude. Yes. Um, he's, Bert then says, I, you spend all that money on Stanford, and he comes back brainwashed. That's a that's a, such a granddad thing to say. What degree do you think he's trying to show off to Porsche his bonafides right now? A lot. I think he think like I think would I think in Stanford, I honestly think he got a lot of traction with women doing the like I am the I, I get I'm it. An ally. He's the he's the I get it guy. It probably got him like when he was out at like, you know, coffee shops at poetry reads and fucking off campus in Stanford, he probably got a lot of traction with that. He has not figured out that he's dealing with a completely what? different person in Porsche. It, it's fun too that whenever he hit we hits these various points. Uh, you know that you know uh, all they all they want to do is solve other problems with violence. Cut to the Italian singing. Cut to port to Portia looking longingly at them. Uh, sleep with every woman. Cut again to those same two things, and then go home and you know to their wife who doesn't ask questions makes them pasta. While he's saying all these things, Portia is kind of looking, saying, "Ah, oh, wouldn't that be great?" In terms of the expression on her face and looking at the Italian guys playing, it's like, "Oh dear Christ, you are not reading the room." Cut to Greg and Tanya's goodbye scene. Greg continues to say, two days, two days, two days, Spencer. Two days would put him back at the end of episode five or beginning of episode six. Let's take note of that. Um, Tanya then walks back inside. Cut to Valentina at the desk. She's yelling at someone on the phone and Tanya walks up. Tanya asks if there's any psychics in town. Valentina struggles with the word psychics. Um, and I looked that up. That's because that's kind of like a, that's always like a slang term. Uh, I don't yeah. think that's like a proper English word. So she probably wouldn't have learned it in her English Classes, right? Which makes sense. Tanya clarifies an old school gypsy fortune teller type of person. Whoa. Um, Valentina says they have a tarot card reader. Close enough. And Tanya asks for a house call. She'll be in her room. Tanya walks away. Valentina tells Rocco, hey, get a tarot card reader for the crazy lady. I love that line. <laughs> that, that was the one quite quintessential Valentina line we got this episode. And I was here for it. Because what the thing is, is she's not joking. That's how she's that's. Yeah. So that it's, was a simple, not, basic order where she was identifying the person, the crazy lady. Yeah. If, if, if you just, if, if she just said the customer, that would have been confusing. If she says the crazy lady, everyone's on the same page. It streamlines things. Cuts Porsche getting a call from Tanya. Tanya tells her Greg is gone and she needs her. I need you here. Greg is gone. Porsche then comes back and tells her that she has to go. Porsche class act that she is does mention Venmoing them some money, which I think is a nice move. They say, no, 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 no. Yeah, worry. yeah, yeah. They give her the car. Uh, car will drop her off, then come back, get them from the Godfather filming scene. Um, off she goes. Albie then looks at Wait. Dominic. This is this is where this is the part. So everything Albie does before here, I'm not a fan of. This is where he broaches into care, a category where I don't think I like the guy. Like I, not not like that's bad for him. It's like I'm not sure I would be friends with this guy. Yeah, he was trying to show off to a girl in the last scene, or you know, dealing with his issues with his parents, whatever else. This scene was just him being a dick. Really, it felt like. Uh, one, before before we get there, just to unpack though, I know you are the ultimate Tanya apologist on this show. I am, absolutely. And I will right now. Go ahead, fire away. Give, give it to me, sir. What did you think of her interaction with Portia on the phone right there? Well, first off, Portia's in the wrong because she's being paid to be there. Yes. And, and her boss said, could you just stay in the room? She left the facility and is a long way away. So she's like, basically left her post. Like, I think Portia's in the wrong. I think Portia should have been where in a general area where Tanya tells her to. If Tanya's going to be paying for her trip, paying for her hotel, and paying her salary by the day while she's there, I don't think it's too much to ask for her to stay on the premises. 
I'm kind of with you. It's one of the things that where I think Tanya is a very, very dependent, difficult person to live with or work with from what we've seen so far. But she did give instructions. They, the show seems to be, the show and particularly Portia are framing them as utterly egregious, but you and I talked, it's like, are they really that bad, really? Uh, and Tanya. I would keep that job so far. I, I still haven't seen anything where I would, I would personally quit. Some what, people would, I wouldn't. I also think it's it's a bad look on Portia that she's maintaining so little contact with the person that she's basically just meant to be a friend on call for, that she's behind the eight ball that Greg's even leaving. Yeah, she doesn't even know that. She's she's like not checking in with her. She's away from the facility. And it's like where people are getting, I think where people are getting confused is because they're thinking that like, this is like a friend relationship. And like Portia almost, no. talk, Portia talks about this trip as if it's a vacation for her. It's like, no, you're at work. You're mm-hmm. an assistant. You're brought to work. You're being paid a salary by the day. What is the problem here with her staying near near the hotel? I don't understand. How do you think she got this job? I was thinking at first that she may be like the daughter of a friend, but Portia doesn't scream same class uh, in terms of, or same wealth, income or wealth class as... Responded to something like online. Her. Responded to something online. Definitely that, yeah. It's like, she, clearly there was no training. Clearly there was no orientation. No. I don't think she's been in this job for that long, from what we've heard both from Greg and other people. She is missing some steps about what's what's expected of her, I think. Or what should be um, reasonably be expected of her. Yeah, and like, by the way, if Portia wants to quit because she doesn't like the work atmosphere, because she is working for someone who's unhinged and unstable, yes. then quit. Absolutely quit. Like, that's totally we, we, cool. We, talk, we talked about the inertia, though. Not she's a problem. complain about this to the cows come home. She's going to do nothing about it, which could... It, that could well be a symptom of depression or all kinds of things, whatever else. It can be that's a good, very That's a good point. That's a very good point, Spencer, because if she is depressed, then it is harder to make those types of moves, and that, that's just that's just clinically true. Shout out to you for that point. That's a very good one. So yeah, move that, on to that Albie B. Matek. That also could color why she sees that all the world is gray and unsatisfying and everything else. This character is flashing some signs that she may have depression. Sure. Yeah. I, that, that, and that's a, that's a potentially okay. fair read. I'll be eating a dick. Yeah, he's fucking the worst. He goes, thanks, Dad. And Albie's like, well, it's not our fault. Her boss needed her. And Albie, with the harsh fucking line. Like, if, if Dominique was ever confused on if his son was mad at him, this answers it. He says, um, maybe, uh, but you do have a knack for repelling women. Bert jumps in with a great question. I, I like Bert and Albie's interactions. Because Bert says... Do we embarrass you, Albie? Like it's a it's a very fair, honest question. Do we embarrass you? Albie says no, which he means yes. And he says, it's just I don't think you realize how you sound sometimes. Bert then mentions, hey, they used to respect old people. Now we're just reminders of an offensive past everyone wants to forget. And I honestly I love think, that line. I honestly think this is a fantastic point. We did in our society, and I'm talking about America used to think that older folks deserved respect. At least where I grew up, I grew up in the South. And I have noticed a lot of younger people pretty aggressively requiring older people to change how they talk and implicitly how they think. I'm not saying those changes wouldn't be good if they made them. They would be. But I'm also saying that I don't think we really give old folks a break in the way that they used to get a break before. Like somebody who's 80, 80 85, 90 years old shouldn't be told, don't say this, do say this, don't say this over and over and over again in their existence. Like, I think we have to draw a line on what is necessary to try to change behavior and some of the things we've got to let go. 
And this is the part that I thought was kind of like not really fair to young people because um, I have seen this. I have seen it happen. And I, I, I just went through a whole jag about how I don't like it. But I hope they're not trying to represent all, quote, millennials or Gen Zs or whatever in this way, because not every young person is quite this dictatorial. No, and I mean, Portia isn't. I mean, the time that, the time that Portia calls out somebody later in the episode, it's just very That's polite. That's a good point. It's very That's a good point. Portia small. isn't either. Yeah, Portia isn't either. That's a good point. This is Albie. This is, this is in-character Albie of where the guy has replaced social, the guy has replaced social awareness with social consciousness. And it's just such an act. It's such theater. It's just such a, con- a conscious effort at remodeling or trying to be what other people want that it's inauthentic. And it just grates for that reason. That he is blaming them for Portia leaving without realizing at all that what he was saying was grating her the wrong way and that he's rubbing her the wrong way at every turn. And he's completely unaware of it because in his perspective, he's doing all the right things. He is being a quintessential nice guy in all the negative aspect of the term. Yeah, I heard President Obama talking about something like this the other day. If you don't like President Obama, I'm sorry. It's just somebody was talking about it. Um, He was saying that like Michelle's mother, who lived with him in the White House, by the way, that she's now like 90 or something. And that sometimes he catches his children requiring their grandmother to change how she refers to people, how she talks, etc. And he equated it to her learning Spanish. And he said, like, should she learn Spanish? Sure, of course. There's value in her learning Spanish. But we shouldn't expect it overnight from a 90-year-old, yes. right? And I think that's kind of what's at play here. And Bert, Bert is cogent enough and with it enough to call it out for what it is. And I'm on his side here, even though he does say super offensive things. I'm not saying he doesn't, but he's making a good point here to Albie. Bert's been looking better the last two episodes, though, dude, than he did episode one. I gotta he's say, on he's uphill better. climb, right? He's uphill. Up, he is sprinting up that hill. Man's fit for his age. But if, as, well, on that line. as well as here, the thing that Albie seems to be talking about is their opinions with respect to the Godfather. He's the one who set him up for failure there. He's the one that called them out with almost the clear intention of making them look bad to impress the girl. And how many other things can you bring up in The Godfather that would have been way better, smoother conversation you could have brought up? The storytelling. Pacino. You could talk about how dark it was and how that changed Hollywood and how they shot films. Like, over and over, there's so many more things. But he doesn't know any of that because he didn't watch the film. All he did is go to Feminism 101 and he just wants to throw that shit around at everybody. That's what I think about Albie. Fuck Albie, that's what I'm saying. I'm off on Albie. I'm out! God, this is is just your next Rainey's character. Uh, I'm done with Albie! I am pretty close Maybe to the that's same boat. I, I, I'm impressed how much the show has just gotten me turned complete 180 on a character over the course of the last three episodes. So we, we saw him episode one. It's like, oh, what, what a nice guy. What you know? He won. He won potential work. best vacation partner. He was one of the, the people that we awarded that to in episode. Yeah. One. N- n- now I'm going to comment on the fact, like, you know what? I like the film The Magnificent Seven. And he's going to give me this long lecture about cultural appropriation. I'm like, dude, it's just a film I like. Just shut up. Yeah, and by the way, like pulling, like talking about Portia saying like, um, all we do, like her point where she was saying that we were just creating redundant stuff for like Instagram. It's like, hey, Albie, you think you're the first first person to level that sort of criticism at mafia movies? Like, you're not breaking new ground here, buddy. <laughs> I, um, I, I did wonder to what degree it was a certain amount of an in joke, though, because a lot of people level that criticism at The Sopranos, and I think it's both wrong but also more fair there. At least now characters interact with it. And More Dominique was a main character in The Sopranos. So I almost wonder if this is a certain element of meta-commentary here. 
Could be. That's that's a good call. Cuts to a beautiful drone shot of Sicily. I gotta go to Sicily. It's a uh, Sicily Looks Spencer. Great. I gotta go. Uh, we we gotta go. Oh, Spencer, oh, we gotta go. You we, and I gotta go. We're gonna rent jet skis. We gotta go. We, how about Vespas? Will you will you ride on a Vespa with me up and down the hills? You made it perfectly clear that you will do the Vespa. We have to ride separately. Last episode, you made that very clear. <laughs> I will adhere to your rules, Spencer. We gotta go to Sicily. We gotta go. Oh, wait, but but when we go, we gotta go to Noto. We're going to go to Noto and we're going to rent jet skis and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to rent whatever Palazzo this fucking place is because, whoa. Um, Cut to Daphne and Harper arriving at the Palazzo and, oh my God, it is huge. Question we're going to see more clearly later, but these are the walls. These are the the, the images on the walls are the images from the intro, right? Because some of them look just straight up copied and pasted from the intro. I don't know if they're the same, but they they hearken to it. Some of them look a lot similar. I don't, I'd have to, I'd have to do a close reading, which is something you never did to the House of the Dragon intro, and you never gave it that, that fair read. That is fair. Also, fuck you, but fair, perfectly fair. I will say that with respect to this Palazzo, uh, I can't imagine what this, it's so big. I can't imagine what this cost to rent for a day, but you know, they got fuck you money that they can throw around like that. Seems like it. Seems worth it though, whatever it was. This place looks gorgeous and Apparently it has on-site staff just permanently so, too. I honestly was thinking like, all right, so like, let, like if we, like you and I went on a, a trip with our significant others, right? Yes. And, 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 and then we also did the breakaway, right? Where we were yes. like, you and I split up and they like, well, first off we'd be reported according to podcast somewhere. We'd be working. The entire right? like, time. That, yes. Yeah. But like, let's say we weren't. Um, how much fun would you have with your buddy in this fucking palazzo? Like I was just. I was sort of amazed. I know that they're not like close, these two, like they just met, right? Like, yeah. but like, I was amazed they couldn't find more fun in this big ass, beautiful yeah. palazzo in Sicily. They seem to like be miserable there. We, we, well, I think they eventually, by the end of the evening, come around. I think Harper lets her guard down, takes an edible, helps the experience. Uh, uh takes a while though. You and I, slows it down. We'd spend like three hours just going through every room to see what new and exciting things are in the candy store we just rented. Music plan. We'd have good food. We'd have people come in. Yes. And we we would figure out a way. To, I, I just it felt like a missed opportunity for these two. Um, so in the background, the guy is telling Daphne to feel comfortable there. It's your house for the night. My God, feel comfortable. Have a glass of wine from our family vineyards. Oh boy, uh-huh. that is fu- fancy. Uh, the guy walking away uh, walks away, and Harper is like, uh, "What is happening here?" And Daphne explains. She was reading about Noto in Architectural Digest, which you obviously do as well, Spencer. That's a magazine that you get every week, and there were pictures of the Palazzo. Um, and Harper is like, um, we're staying the night. And Daphne's like, yeah. And I packed extra stuff for you. Mm. I like Daphne. I like Daphne. Very manipulative move here. Very manipulative. Uh, it's a particularly manipulative move. I with, still like Daphne. I like Daphne. And if these two had been like friends for a year or long term yeah. friends, sure. Could be yeah. okay. Could be okay. Particularly with Harper right here. She has to know. She has to know what an imposition this is on Harper right here and how uncomfortable Harper is with this. Daphne in particular has to know. And the fact that I believe she has to know makes this interesting. It's pretty selfish move for Daphne because she's wanting, she's doing, what we learn is that this is an entire, all this is, is a play to get get Cameron's attention basically. And she's manipulating Harper in the process. And by the way, you're only there, if you're at a, you're staying in a resort for a week, you're there for six nights. That is 15%, right? Or something like that of her time. Of trip. One sixth of her trip now is fucking wrapped up in this night that she didn't plan for it and she doesn't have her clothes or her computer or any of her shit. Like, 
not a good move from Daphne. It is. Although this fucking Palazzo seems dope. It is, but it's without her consent. She, as you said, she's manipulated the situation in a way where Harper is nothing more than a prop in the play that she's arranged for her own purposes. Now, we all know you've got a ton of money. When you're reading Architectural Digest every week, do you Mm -hmm. think to yourself, like, that's a place I'm just going to go rent the whole thing? Mm, That's that's where I'm thinking, that's where I'm Googling, huh, do they have a webcam tour? And that's the experience I have with it. Because otherwise they ask for things called, you know, money. And I don't understand the process of giving I've, that away to I've, people. I've, I've got that all locked in a in my Carthian safe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it is very much that, along with two skeletons, oddly enough. I don't know how they got uh, there. No, I, it, it is interesting, though, the, the mindset of I'm looking at this magazine. I see what is astonishingly beautiful. And I think, I'll just go rent it. Like, who ha- that is a that is a that, very rich person fun. mindset. I have categories of rich. That is the category. Once I'm able to do that, that's what I refer to as fuck you money. It's just where you can just do that. And it doesn't mean anything. It's not planning for six months. It's just, oh, I was here and I just paid whatever they wanted for the next night. Isn't it fun? That is a special category of rich. So out of the balcony, Harper asks her if she feels we are doing this without the guys. And Daphne's like, no, no, no. It's, it's just better to do what you want, even if you're alone. Now, that's not always bad relationship advice. No, that's like, per- that's perfectly solid like, relationship advice. It, yeah, it can be a real problem when you feel like you have to do every single thing with your significant other. You'll get burned out. You'll break up. But if you can go do your own thing for a little while, that's okay. But then she goes on to an unhealthy sort of space. She kind of spins out. And she says, well, Cart Cameron does whatever he wants all the time. So if that's true, that's, that's a problem. But there's also all this resentment built into it. That's exactly right. Daphne yeah. walks back inside and Harper just seems sort of floored by all this. Spencer, you're an expert, uh, high price vacations. Um, how do you feel about leaving the hotel you've rented to go rent another place for a night? Again, that's involving the whole giving people money thing that I'm uncomfortable with. Uh, it's like, but, but seriously, like I, they've already, a lot of cash you, you've around rented, right you've rented two places for the night on your vacation. You, you are you've, dumb. You've got, you're doubling up. You're still paying for the other room. They didn't, you know, cancel that one day of staying there. No. No. As a matter of fact, some interesting things are going to happen in that room while you're gone. But it's <laughs> just it's just strange to me that you would leave a hotel you've rented to go rent another place what? for a night. That is – that's a, I've never done that in a vacation. I, I, you commented on the line for commenting that, you know, she does this because Cameron always does what he wants. This is one opportunity to get back at him. I made a note of that line, and it just made me increasingly like the interaction between these two, just because of the element of a certain degree of just almost tragic rebellion that's going into this, of where this isn't about her. It's never about her. Even her effort at doing something that's about her is still about him. And that's, as we get her try to say at the end that she's in a victim, it's still really sad, actually, as we watch it play out. Cut to the guys, and it looks to me like Ethan is drinking a glass of whiskey at about 3 p.m., something like that. So um, for normal people that aren't fictional in a television show, he'd be asleep by 8. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's faking a television show. So, uh, uh, do, they, do you think he takes any drugs later to maybe help him with keep, keep him going? Potentially, yeah. If he took Molly later, that would help. Uh, so they cheers, and then Cameron goes into this thing about being proud, proud of Ethan for, quote, knocking it out of the park. I'm not surprised. I always knew you were going to do something great. But then, oh boy, Spencer, oh boy, oh boy. Please buckle go up. On. Buckle, go buckle on. I'm up ready because for it. I'm prepared. Buckle up because my dear Harper, my favorite character in the whole show, other than Tanya, for kind of different reasons, was right. He says, I just wish you'd give me a heads up. I hear for, have to hear from Gary Piznat. And who wants to hear from Gary Piznat, really? That you sold your company for a shitload. And by then it was too late for me to do anything about it. <laughs> so let's cope. Pre- 
let's code this. This is this insider is, trading. He, yes, he he's in finance. He buys and sells stocks. I guess that um, he wanted a tip. I guess Ethan potentially had a publicly owned company that he was selling, and uh, he wanted a tip so that he could leverage the sale and make money out of it. Um, Ethan is like, I couldn't say anything. Cameron says we well, could have hinted. Ethan goes, it's also illegal. Which makes me think it was a publicly owned company. Mm-hmm. Cameron's like, "Come on, come on, buddy! Yeah, what's come so on? Yeah. yeah, a little birdie in the ear information, guys. Like, me, that's all we have. Well, we can share a cell with Martha Stewart. It'll be great." He even didn't get Ethan to apologize, but then he goes in for the kill, and this is where the truth of the entire week comes out. Hey, Harper's but you right need every turn. Harper's been right what? every turn. This is another example. But you need to invest some of that with us. I don't know if you've heard, but I make people a lot of money, bro. So there it is, Spencer. That's what this trip is. This is a sales trip for Cameron. Yes. He's on a sales trip, and he's trying to get an investor in his company. And I would imagine that his company's at least paying for his part because he's yeah. probably sold this to his company as he's got an investor he knows personally, and he's trying to get uh, somebody to, to participate in their fund. I was going to ask you whether you thought he was douche enough to have actually business expensed this entire trip as a marketing opportunity. Absolutely. I think, yeah, absolutely. I I think this is a business trip. It's a sales call and that he will have to report out when he gets home uh, to the guys that he starts talking about later, um, how it went and if he's got money, you know, from the investor. So uh, Cameron, Cameron does get all Jerry Maguire with him. Help me, help you, help me, help you, help me, help you. He then says, just come in the office when you get back. Meet the guys. No pressure. No pressure. Because Cameron never puts pressure on Ethan for anything. No pressure. Can you ever imagine a scenario where you're like, hey, come meet the guys at my financial investment firm. No pressure at all. I can't imagine a world where any word of that statement is true. <laughs> yeah, it's all strange. And it's like, I just think like, I understand that Cameron's in finance, right? But like, I just... Even if I was in finance, right? If I was asking someone, if I was doing this whole thing that he's doing, then it wouldn't be a good friend, right? Like, No, it's horrible. I just wouldn't do this to somebody who's a really good friend of mine. And I think, I thought for a second that Ethan was picking up on that because he seems to, his face seems to change a little bit during the conversation and give him sort of a fake smile. But he doesn't act on it later, so I'm I'm not sure. He doesn't have Harper around to talk about it with, so I'm not sure if he really is. Maybe I'm reading too much into Ethan there, but I was hoping... That he picked up on what we picked up on, which is that this is just a sales call for Cameron and that Ethan really isn't the buddy that he thinks he is. I mean, if I was in Ethan's shoes, I would be a level of put off of where I would have a fundamentally altered view of the relationship going forward in a way oh. that would take work to get back. I, if I worked in finance and I dragged you, first off, I don't think I could, but if I dragged you on a fucking week-long vacation and then told you invest in Day my fund. Three. I, I don't think we'd be, I honestly don't think we'd be friends anymore. And I don't think that's a, an unreasonable thing for you to, to do in that situation, right? Like that's what I was, that's what I was trying to say before when I was kind of fumbling with my words is that like, if you do this to someone, they're not your good friend. They're your client. They're a potential client. You see them as a client. It, it's, it always makes for a fun thing of like when people come to you and like, I'm an attorney. Would I have friends or family say, Spencer, Hey, can you do this for me? I'm always like, I can get somebody in my firm to do it for you and I can arrange for a deal. I don't want to be your attorney because that's going to change our relationship or be a thing in our relationship. It's I, true. I've I asked him to help to touch me. That. I've asked him to help me with many legal problems. He always tells me no. I'm out on my own. Life well, raft. 
What, you, life raft, like Galadriel, life raft. You remember, you remember when you said like 20 minutes ago, you want me to like you? It's just because I don't. And that informs so much of how we interact. Yeah, you just think I'm guilty at everything. Yeah, very much <laughs> I can't, I can't very be your yes. I don't lose. I don't lose, sir. So. Uh, I mean, it, like, you know, we're, we've, I, I don't think we're breaking new ground by saying that Cameron's an asshole. Uh, we're, we're finding this. We're, this episode is exploring ways that have been hinted at previously and are now made right in our nose apparent. Yeah, it's it's rough. Cut to um, Tanya getting the tarot card reading. Tanya's looking at her and just saying, wow, she's the real deal. A real, authentic, old world gypsy. Portia then says she's not supposed to use that word. This is an example. This is an example of what I was talking about before, right? Like, Yeah, it's much so much it's, more mild, though. It is more mild, but it's like... It's something that is constantly seeming that they're talking. They, they, I do think the show's talking about this. Like, I don't think this is I just characters. The fact that the two Gen Z characters are the ones that are saying this is the show saying that that is a trope associated with them. Don't think yeah, it's entirely yeah. inaccurate, but it is certainly one they're hitting for both of our two representatives here. Well, and like I have two, two, and I have two, two of our four. I can't picture Lucia or Mia doing this. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I have two thoughts about this, right? One is that, like, where this does exist, it really frustrates me. Like, I think that, like, yes, if, if an old person's being, like, openly, openly racist, of course correct them. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that, like, correcting smaller stuff and, like, and I'm not saying gypsies is smaller stuff, but there are times when they're correcting smaller stuff. It's like, I don't know, man, maybe just let that person be 80 for a while. Like, let's just give them a fucking break. Um, and, again, and the I second think, part of that is that I yeah. don't think every Gen Zer is like this. Right. I don't. I I, and so if they, if the show is, and I'm not sure that they are now, you kind of got me all off kiltered about what the show's actually trying to say. I'm, I'm all flustered <laughs> about that now. Game accomplishment. Hey, you kind of fucked me up there. But like, if they are, then I don't like that either because I don't think that's what they're all like. No, again, I think this, this little call out by Porsche here is very much more mild. If anything, it just feels like, you know, hey, you know, maybe, maybe, I think, I think, I think, I think you should be able to work here with this in a way it's almost helpful. And Tanya doesn't seem at all offended by it. She, Fully misunderstands how one corrects in that regard, but, you know, that's Tanya keeping. On the subject um, of whether this one is offensive, I almost feel like this one is more offensive in Europe than it is in the U.S., because I don't think anyone in the U.S. uses gypsy to refer to the Romani people. I think they just refer to it like gypsy is just a way of referring to people who live in a nomadic lifestyle in the U.S., but I think that one can be more offensive depending on different regions and how you're, how you're using it. Either way, we can agree that Tanya fixes it by saying, she's a real-world gypsy. And, and mouths it, and that's, 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 and that's obviously the way that you obviously the way you fix this. Tanya yeah. then offers her some water or soda, and guess what? The tarot card reader is not interested in water or soda, but guess what? Are interested in a, is interested in a drink. Would I, like a highball. Would I, like a highball. One of the cutest moments of the episode for me is when Tanya's proposing those things, and she gets to highball, and the lady nods at her. Tanya looks legitimately excited that she gets to share a drink with somebody. She even says like, "All right," it's like she, she is just so. Oh, that, she's tickled by it. They're like, I get to make a highball and share it with somebody. Yeah, it, it, she does seem to like that. And it's almost, you know, you almost had the sense that she was going to rope this poor tarot card reader into her week. But she gets bad news from her and that you can't do that to Tanya. So cut to Daphne Hell Harper. No. Daphne notices the workers at the estate. She rented um, wear their pants really high. Harper slipping madly, madly into April Ludgate here. Says, yeah, it's because they want to show off their dicks, which is a pretty funny line. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so Harper then asks her why she didn't, why didn't you just tell me that we were staying the night? And Daphne comes clean. She says yeah. she wanted Cameron to think they were having so much fun that they just wanted to stay. He has really intense FOMO and abandonment issues. So it's going to be really funny to tell him we're living it up at some sick palazzo. So 
a lot, a lot wrong with that, a lot very unhealthy in that. But the idea that someone in finance has FOMO, you could not, there cannot be a bigger nail and a bigger hammer that you're hitting. Like yeah. <laughs> somebody who, who, who like, is it works in investment has FOMO? Really? No what? shit. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty fucking funny to me. That, 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 that's, that's a very much an example of broad, a broad brush generalization that I have never seen actually proven accurate though. Yeah, it's, it, absolutely. That, that's almost one of those like stereotype for reasons. Just go ahead and just, just plug it in for people. And that. Is that one offensive or just true? And I was trying to come up with a, like another, like a parallel. And I kept doing like that because I had, had it in my notes. I was going to say like, that's like saying a lawyer is, and, there, and by the way, there's, I couldn't come up with anything that a lawyer is that a finance, like that, it, that, like let's do the SAT thing, right? Like yeah. that, that the is analogies. the same. That is the same as finance and FOMO. Like I couldn't come up with anything. Yeah, man. I, 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 yes, that FOMO is just so joined to the hip with finance in a way that I. It's harder to identify something as, as universally true for lawyers. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, overbill, maybe overbill when they overbill you. I, I'm not allowed legally to agree with you in that statement. Thank you. And this phone call is hilarious. It's really just. Um, this is what Cameron, uh, she calls Cameron to tell Cameron that they're staying. Uh, it really is just, uh, oh, hey, oh, hey, we're having so much fun now. Can't talk. Stay in the night. Bye. We're staying the night. See you later. Like, Wait, that's what, what she's what? trying to do. She's yes. trying to, oh, anyway. Oh, hold on. The music's playing. Oh, hey, do you, oh, wait, you got Coke? Oh, I love Coke. Anyway, yeah. see you later. Like, that's what she's trying to do. But it doesn't really sound that way because she's alone at a pool in this yeah. empty palazzo. It's, it's definitely what she's going for. And, I don't know if Cameron is legitimately just caught off guard or playing into it, but he gives her what she wants to hear uh, when she's doing this, of where he's acting caught off guard, he's acting like he's planning to play catch-up, he acts like he's uncomfortable with this, whatever else, in time for her to hang up on him. Uh, which is everything that, from her perspective, she wants to accomplish. And the but... camera does this, and then immediately leaves it behind and goes and does exactly what he wants. That's the thing, right? Yes. Is that it seems to me like, cause, cause Daphne says, I just do what I want twice in this episode. We've already hit once. We're going to hit another one where she says, I just do what I want, but it doesn't, I don't think she's doing what she wants because no. what she's doing is so wrapped up in trying to get Cameron's attention and trying yes. to get, her, it's all about Cameron that I can't, I don't think that she is really able to separate and figure out what she truly isolated wants to do, right? It's all about Cameron's reaction. And the sad part about this is that she plans this whole thing, spends God knows how much money, tricks Harper into it, does this whole fucking thing to get what? 15 seconds of a reaction from Cameron? To get 15 How seconds? long, how long does this stay on his radar? It, I don't even think that much time. Enough for that conversation to complete. That's sad. She doesn't think about, she doesn't think about her the entire rest of the time. Meanwhile, Daphne spends the rest of the time that they're mostly just thinking about Cameron and talking. Yeah, that's all. They, they just talk they, about like they rent those free, two rent free. Those, those two are sitting in the most beautiful building that I think I've ever seen, alone. Tons of money. Don't have to work. Don't have to do anything. Miserable talking about men, and the men are just out there. Like, and I am not condoning what the men do, but I'm not trying to say that. But I am trying to say like I wish they could have just left the relationship drama behind for a second. It just had fun in this house. But admittedly though, though they, in my view, waste the trip entirely with respect yeah. to this house. 
they do establish a kernel of friendship and connection yes, that they previously they lacked in a way that is meaningful, even if it doesn't make for the most fun of an evening. It seems like the both of them connect in a way they haven't previously. So if this was a real, if this was the real world, and everybody, because it, I, I don't, they, they might all be dead by the end of this, right? But if this was the real world and everybody just went home, right? I, I actually think that like this, this couple's relationship would continue, but not because of Ethan and Cameron, but because of these two wanting to Daphne and Harper wanting to get back together again. I think that they actually are developing a real friendship, and I, I think that Ethan and Harper are. Pfft, or uh, Ethan and Cameron are separating. I very so, much agree. It, it, in some ways, I, though I think it was sad to see how they went about through the day, it also was still very meaningful in a way I liked. It seemed like for both of them, they ended that evening touched that they'd found each other, even if they were both kind of wrapped up in their own sadness for most of the day. Yeah, so cut to the cards, because um, we all need to know what the cards say. Apparently the cards say to Tanya that her husband is in love with someone else. Um, this card means he's being deceitful and this card means that there's someone beautiful in his life. And Tanya's like, couldn't that be me? And she just goes, nope. No. <laughs> and she keeps going. Tanya gets really upset. Now the lady, as she keeps going, the lady starts jabbering in Italian. I did get a red, a, a red, whoa, offer, tell me a redditor did offer some commentary. I can't independently verify. I could not even understand what the woman was saying when she's going so fast and there were no subtitles. Please tell me. Um, but they wrote it down. Some of the things she says is madness will lead her to suicide. The crazy man has escaped. I beg you to let me help you. Whoa. And then a lot of just repeating various, various, uh, words and phrases with respect to that. Well, that's pretty concerning. Yeah. Just put a, put a, put a pin in that one question, by the way, though, have you ever voluntarily been to a tarot card reader yourself? Or have you no. otherwise been dragged to one? No, but didn't when you came to visit me? I a wanted months to ago, ask you because I, I didn't, saw that. Didn't, Sarah. didn't my wife do that? She did the tarot card reading I, while we were standing there. And she did. That's why I wanted to ask you about whether you'd ever gone yourself. No, I would. I would. I mean, I, I, I guess if she really wanted me to, I would. But I would never choose to do it on my own. No. Uh-uh. Would you be able to take it seriously long enough to finish it? Um. So probably because I'm. I have. I, I do have a people pleasing like. You? Thing where I, where I wouldn't want to like I would want to be be friends with the person who's doing it. And I wouldn't want to offend them, and and if that's their job, like I really wouldn't want to like piss on it. But internally, no, of course not. No, it's stupid. That's one thing. <laughs> I I'd be inclined not to go because I wouldn't want to make it awkward for the other person, and I would have to consciously make an effort not to. Yeah, be hard. it would be like, don't roll your eyes, don't roll your eyes, don't chuckle, don't make a joke. Just grin and bear it. And it's like no, that doesn't seem pleasant for anybody involved. Yeah, it would be it would be really hard for me. Uh, Sarah seems to like it. I think she is entertained by it. I think she uh, likes she, the- she doesn't she doesn't take it super seriously, but she seems to to enjoy it. And and, and I think that's how most people take it. Tanya clearly is looking for affirmation. Yes, she wants someone to tell her. She wants somebody to tell her everything's going to be okay. When she doesn't, she flips out and she actually says. I can't believe I paid for you. You are so negative. It's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be like this. You're supposed to build me up. Take your quacky things and your shit little ashtray. So Spencer, it's like if I get the result I want, it's a legit process. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, I don't like the process and it's all fake. 
So yeah. I, I, we've not we've not really heard that before that line of logic before. No, um, not, never, never. This 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 is this has no comparisons whatsoever to me. You know, you being excited to talk about certain episodes of Game of Thrones and me being there to piss on them. No similarity whatsoever to that. At all. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, it's it's also just something we've never like you know I don't know heard out in the ether, right? Like hey, yeah. <laughs> well, if I if I get the result that I want, then it's a good process. If I get don't get the result that I want, it's a bad process. Anyway, cuts to Dominique Albee. Bert <laughs> Bert says perhaps. he he's gonna take a nap. Of course he is. Shout out to Bert. I'd be taking a nap right now too. I take a lot of naps on vacations. Just shout out. Yeah. I, I, any, I'm I'm less. I'm not forty yet, and I still. I can't imagine when I'm 80 how many naps you, I'm going to be taking on vacation. You get, I love a nap. You get you get to have a nice meal and then go rest in a bed that somebody else has to make later. Love it. It's a great love day. It. Do it all the time. Dominique asks Albie to wait up. Uh, he says this, which, uh, you know, I really think Dominique connects with Albie here. I think he, he pretty much, all the problems that they have wiped away. Perfect. Oh, yeah. He says, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I feel like you have this wrong, distorted image of me. I have always supported women. Uh-huh. I have mm-hmm. always promoted women. Love Love, love, love when a man does this. It makes me laugh when they say, well, I obviously love women, people of color, whatever, because in my authority, in my position of authority at my job, I've promoted them. I I like that his data point there, too, is I didn't marry some subservient wife. It's like, dude, is that is that is that the example you're offering in defense of your case right now? Because you're not doing great. It didn't work for Albie, obviously. I was being super sarcastic in the lead up to this. I, I, I was fully on the same page. It's like, dude, you're, you understand your reference to I didn't marry some servant's wife. You're talking about his mom, right? It's like, that's the data point you're going with is that this is the way I'm a feminist is that I married your mom. And then he does this thing where he's like, I don't want you to talk about me to you. I don't want to put you in the middle. But. Yeah, please do. If. Anyway, here's the line. Hey, I'll give you the script to read, right? Like, please. Shitty move on Dominic's part all the way around. Shitty it, part. It's, I, I don't. Talk terrible. Terrible. Thumbs Clearly, down for Dominique in the conversation. Yeah, d- damn straight. Clearly the two of them just don't have much of a relationship. And I think we're seeing that like, this isn't something new either. It's like, I don't think the two of them have ever been particularly close. Yep. And it's clear that neither of them understand or see eye to eye on much of anything really. Yeah. He, uh, Albie says, uh, nothing is going to fix this. You have to change. Dad, you have to stop doing what you're doing and actually change. Dominic says he has changed. I am changing. I can change. That is an interesting. That was a process with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Spencer, I have I have posted the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I I, I am posting the podcast. I I will post the podcast later tonight. <laughs> Followed by it. Spencer, we need to re-record the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's, you got. That's, do you still have your notes? Do you still have your notes? We gotta do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Dominic sucks. Uh, he says, I'll see you at dinner. Cuts Portia. She comes out of the bedroom. And, um, oh, yeah. Uh, T- Tanya sent Portia to the bathroom during this. Two things happen. One is she sees Tanya just apparently throws her underwear on the counter. Uh, two, <laughs> did, did it seem to me like Portia was stealing her pills? Pills? Is yes. That what? Yeah, she was yes, stealing her did. pills. It, yeah. So, Death Watch situation. Death Watch situation <laughs> intensified by the fact that while the fortune teller was doing her reading... While she was saying things, the camera kept cutting to Portia when she was saying shit. There's also a scene, too, of when she's making um, the phone call with Tanya. She's pointedly standing next to the car where Apollonia blew up when she's making the oh. phone call. Oh, it's How like, about that? Oh, man, they're giving us some visuals and some suggestions that Portia may be on Death Watch right now. And not the fun kind. 
Oh man, I can't wait to talk about that in our our later segment. Oh, yeah, so many thoughts on Death Watch. Okay, um, so uh, cut to where are we at? Yeah, um, she says Tanya says I think I'm going to take a nap, and Portia tries to leave, but Tanya says no, just stay on my couch. Now, is this absolutely codependent, crazy behavior from yeah. a person? I can't, I can't. Yeah, of course it is. But let's break it down to the bare minimum. She's being paid to sit on a couch and read Vanity Fair. It isn't. This is again. This is not the job. She I, I'm wants. having. I'm having trouble with it, right? Because it it's not a hard. It, it's obnoxious behavior from Tanya. It is. It's not a hard job. It is not. It's just again, Portia doesn't know how to view this as a job, and is not mentally coping with the fact that this is her job. What she needs to do is quit because this job's not for her. Many other people would be perfectly happy with this job. Portia is just clearly not one of them. I gotta tell you, if it pays well, your boy, your boy might be there. That sounds pretty good to me. Let's go I, to Sicily for a week, and what do I have to do? Sit on a couch while you nap and listen to you like be crazy? Like, okay. Can, can, I, bring, can I bring my electronics and things with me? Yes, I will stay entertained. The television probably has eight thousand channels. I would be okay. Um, anyway, uh, cuts to Valentina. She's eating lunch with two cats. Spencer, Valentina. Favorite scene of the episode. Favorite scene. She's of the a cat. She is a cat. She's complete very... emotional intelligence from her. She tells you what she's thinking all the time, even if it's not in her best interest in that immediate moment, which is absolutely cat behavior. I love your read on that. It's a great call. I wouldn't have thought of. And this is my one of my favorite scenes of the episode. It is no dialogue, just a quiet, just a quiet little moment of her eating lunch alone with two cats next to her, where she brought cat food for him. It's such an interesting perspective into the character that we've never gotten previously to see because her effectively her hair's down. She's not on the clock. This is her actually alone for a little bit able to see her more in her own chosen element. And it's such a more human portrait than we've ever had the opportunity before before that we talked about, you know, us being doing a 180 on Albie. After scenes like this, I'm kind of like, I'm ready to turn over a new leaf with Valentina. There's so much more to explore here that I didn't think they'd be going into. I think I like her. And I, I think I, that's I crazy. Too. That sounds crazy, but like, I think, I think I there's a lot more. I understand her better now. Yeah, I do. I, man, when they, they did the cat comparison and then also like kind of showed how she interacted at the coffee shop in the morning. I thought, okay, I think I can, I think I can deal with this person. Um, mm-hmm. So cut to Daphne and Harper. Some Italian man asked Daphne to marry her. Oh, oh, no grazie, no grazie. Like very, yeah, pff, get this all the time. Daphne goes to get cash out of the machine and Harper has a few suitors. And I would say, um, this is my least favorite scene of the episode. Well, this, I don't think, I don't think it's that funny. I think it plays on stereotypes of Italian men well, and I think it's overdone. I think it's overdone in the sense that it isn't real. This scene screamed to me, this is in her head. This is her discomfort. Sure, this is her perspective on the situation rather than what's actually occurring as she's feeling vulnerable and feeling alone in the world right now and thinking all everybody's watching her. Because when Daphne comes back up, we see that there's women also in the crowd around him too. And that not everybody's the actually problem, staring at her. So you, I, I like the read. The problem is the show has done absolutely nothing to set up that they're going to go in and out of those fantastical sort of scenes, right? There's been no other time where we've seen someone's perspective that isn't reality. And then we shifted back. It just happened this one time. It happened abruptly. And I don't, I don't think they gave the audience enough for most people to recognize that's what they're doing. It worked for me. Cause I think that is what they're going for because it was so over the top that it, I didn't think it could be really perceived as real. And if it's something they're doing more, I'm in for it. Cause I actually rather liked it. Uh, also, just to note, 
having walked around the streets of Italy before, I have never been in a country where men so openly gawked before. <laughs> to the point of where we had, I was walking with my sister down the street. Guys would stop their cars next to her just to stare. It's the weirdest damn thing. Boy, boy, you man, Spencer. Gosh, you, boy, you put me in a tough situation. Because there's a thousand jokes running through my head, and I couldn't say any. No, nope. um, don't even try. God, no, see, they, man, you box me in. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so Daphne says. <laughs> um, uh, Daphne, uh, Daphne and Harper sit at a table and they get drinks bought from them from guys across the patio. Um, Daphne is very cool about the drinks being bought. She goes, Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. And Harper seems sort of perturbed by it. Um, Daphne's going to have an edible. She says, try having two kids under four. They help me relax. Hey, if it works for you, works for you. What would you say earlier? If you're, if you're happy, it's working. If you're happy, you're succeeding. I don't think she's actually happy as this episode is revealing. I'm, I'm talking about the edible part, just yeah, the edible yeah. part. Uh, would because you like I because I, I I don't I don't partake right, um, so I'm just trying to say like if that if that actually does help her with the stress of the kids sure, so be it. I'm not I'm not going to judge her for that. In, in Harper's situation, I would feel really awkward about taking an edible from somebody I don't know. I don't know what the concentration of that thing is. I don't have any information about what your dose is that you choose to enjoy with yourself right now. I'm just taking this sight unseen and hoping I'm not in here in here for the ride. Yeah, and that's that's just why you are safe with these things. But like a lot of lot of people would go, I know, oh, that, I know. a lot of people would say, a lot of people would like the excitement of not knowing the dose. Um, so Harper says the last time she had an edible, she ended up on the floor in the fetal position, uh, just saying, "I am a woman." I'll tell you one thing about edibles. I do know is that a lot of people will have an edible and think it's not working, and have another and think it's not working, and have another. It takes like an hour to have to kick in, so please don't do that, uh, Uncle Lee out there to the kids. I I. I hate that I'm having to talk to kids about this, but you know, that's how it works. A lot yeah. of kids do dabble. Uh, if you take an edible, do not take another one for two hours. That's the general rule. Two hours. Yeah. Count them. And I will add on to that, that if you're pre-buying edibles from like a store where such things are legal and it has a serving size on there, pay the fuck attention because you're not meant to eat the whole bar of chocolate. Nine times out of 10, you're not even meant to eat one square of that chocolate. Measure yourself out and be careful. Yeah. Uh, she Anyway, Daphne asked Harper if she likes being a woman. And Harper says, I'm fine with it. Usually this is where I'm telling you, I think they're trying to talk about gender in a, maybe this, a way that this was a gender focused episode. Yeah. And they're trying, I, I felt like they were trying to say something. It's an episode. They were trying to say something about not just have characters discuss it, which is maybe the distinction between the two of us about what we're seeing. Sure. Daphne says, I'd hate to be a man. They're so competitive. It's like, can they even be friends with each other? Yeah. Daphne, we can. Uh, you have a very strange man to deal with. Yeah, can, we can. Can Cameron? Don't know. That's, don't that's the so. pro. That's the problem, right? And I'm not yeah. sure he can. Cameron and I went on safari, and on safari, you see all these pods of elephants, and they're like bathing in the river and playing with each other, and it's so sweet. But it's just the moms and the babies because when the boys get too old, they kick them out of the pod. Then these elephants have to wander through the jungle by themselves for the rest of his life. I feel sorry for them, you know. She says, "I feel sorry for men, you know." Potential line of the episode, Spencer. They think they're doing something important, but really they're just wandering alone. It's a great line. That's not actually true for elephants, though, right? I've seen lots of male elephants among other female and children elephants before, I thought. I don't know shit about uh, elephants. I, I don't know. No clue. 
No idea. Um, I do think that this whole metaphor of saying they think yes. they're doing something important, but they're wandering on is pretty important I for these like – Well, for the, a, a guy like Cameron, that's yes. probably very accurate. Um, I, got I Ethan it, and Cameron. Go I, think, I think it's more true than not of Ethan too though for a different reason. Oh, because of how he pushes people away? You got it. Because of yeah. internal discomfort, whatever else, whatever reason. But from what we've seen of him so far, though he mocks Harper for pushing people away, Ethan seemed to have done it actually more than Harper and seems to be making less of an effort than Harper is lately. So I think, though it more easily applies to Cameron, I think Harper's kind of looking at that going, huh, keep track of that one. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question there, dear Daphne, who I do like very much, um, men can be friends, yes. Cut to Ethan and Cameron. And they sort of prove this point. They're kind of getting competitive on the jet ski. I feel like they were just – it's a its a quick scene to prove the point of Daphne, right? They're getting competitive on the jet ski. They actually play a game of chicken. That is a really, really bad idea. Don't ever do this. Don't ever in a million years do this, the game of chicken on the jet ski. Never, ever, ever do this. My dad was a – there's something uh, I'll tell the listeners. My dad was a game warden. He was in the wild, North Carolina wildlife, and uh, he investigated boating accidents. Um, oh, and, fucking um, time, yeah. He would come home and tell us stories about things that he saw. Do not do the game of chicken on jet skis, boats, anything. Never do it. The number of tourist deaths we have every year from tourists being stupid on watercraft is just through the roof. And particularly in Florida, also just the manatees they hurt in the process, which, you know, yeah. don't be an asshole for the love of God. God it, d- question on Q rating. You know Q rating. Yes. Does any animal have a higher Q rating than manatees? No. Manatees just are off the fucking charts. And maybe, do, maybe, maybe dogs, but like... Manatees are really high up, wild, right? Folks on wild animals. Dogs, we have, we have custom tailored you, those to be, be off the charts. For wild right, but animals. You, you hate dogs, but everybody else likes I them. own a dog. I like my dog. The rest of the dogs stand bad. But yeah, dogs, we, we like have, dogs. Do, dogs, we bred them to hype eyebrows so we'd improve their Q rating, for the love of God. But manatees are just, yeah, they're nuts in terms of that regard. One looks at a manatee and instantly just has a cute response and also a sympathy response. Then one sees the scars in their back from tourists and locals being utterly assholes, and you know you want to murder people. I went to the aquarium in Sarasota, down near you know, your God's country, Lovely, where you're from, yes. and uh, turned the corner. Unexpected manatee sighting. Did not know the aquarium had manatees. You have to have a big, pretty, pretty big tank for manatees. Oh, yeah. They did. Turned the corner, saw a manatee. Heart melted. I just Absolutely. completely became a puddle. Absolutely yes. Yeah. I, uh, hey, so hey, next time you come down to see me, we can go tubing in an area where there were also manatees that you can find too. And we, we're going to get jet skis. we got to get some jet skis. We, we're not playing no. chicken, but we're going to play. Go get to jet skis. We, we will get jet part. skis in the open ocean. If you bring a jet ski near a manatee, I will fire a missile and blow up your jet ski before you get near the damn things. No. Out in the ocean, we're yes. getting jet skis. We're not playing chicken. It's going to be awesome. Let's do this, Spencer. Cut to hotel. It's the evening now, I, so we know we've, we've got about 20 minutes left of the episode. Um, Dominique is walking to dinner, and we see Giuseppe, who's playing the piano. I know from the... Um, from the closed captioning, his name is yes. Giuseppe. I don't think they've ever actually said it on screen. Have not, no. Dominic then tells Lucia he can't meet up tonight. I'm afraid my son's going to catch on, but really, I need to change. I really need to change. In fact, I can't meet up all week. This really, I do think they're setting up Dominic as a sex addict because this sounds like somebody talking to their dealer saying, I, I just don't ever take my call again. Please just block my number. Please don't ever take my call again. It, and it's incredible. I was, it's in credit to Lucia and Mia that they don't push this. Because I very much agree this sounds like an addict trying to get off and they're talking to their dealer, try to, you know, almost get them to help them with respect to this. If she had said the slightest word, 
in opposition about, are you sure I can meet you in your room tonight? Or knocked on his door that night. He would have fold, folded like a wet blanket. Which he did but the night she, before. She did, and we saw it happen. This yeah. time she doesn't. No, she doesn't. She, 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 but they're also in public, so. They're also in um, public, and she also resents it, so I'm not going to give her too much credit, but she doesn't do the bad thing. She's clearly disappointed, and I'll tell you that, um, uh, I would think that if he's, the deal was he's procured her services for the week, um, that might be a fixed price contract. He might have to just pay that regardless of if he's going to continue with the services. That, that might be a situation where you can't just, Terminate for convenience. Two two things. One, prop, knowing what Lucci has limited experience, probably didn't negotiate the terms that she should have with respect to this. Uh, point number two, doubt she's going to, even if she did, she's going to look to enforce that one in court. My understanding is you're usually not negotiating with the actual sex worker. You're negotiating with another she, person. She's an independent contractor. Who's usually, usually a pimp who usually will break your kneecaps. Um, a lot of countries in Europe, pimps, pimps and brothels are illegal. Uh, while independent, Supposedly, uh, while independent. Man, you know a lot about this. I, you know, I'm not saying I've gone on many business trips, but you learn things. Like, look, look, I gotta go back to my room and work. Um, she is very disappointed. <laughs> call from L.A. I, th- I think she's disappointed because he pays well. I don't think that she at this point has any sort of real connection with Dominic. I think he just pays really well, so she's disappointed. But Dominic old turn walks away. Dominic then walks up to Bert now, but he's trying to be a new man. My two favorite people in the world. Look at me, I'm a new guy. Mm-hmm. Cut to Lucia and Mia, and Lucia tells Mia, look, Dominic broke it off, but we're here, and there are a lot of rich men, and we're going to find somebody else. So they're hunting. Dim, he, Dim's the going hunting. He didn't take the key back, either. He didn't have him canceled on the room. They're no. still on his expense They're still on his expense account. I don't, keep think he cares about, I don't think he cares about that. He seems to really not care. Because they're, they're flaunting that they're charging drinks, and they're charging. He doesn't yeah. seem to give a fuck. He, he gave them $3,000 just on a whim in the, in the morning yesterday. Guy seems like he's got cash on hand. Yeah, he's well. I mean, Bert said he's a big wig in Hollywood, so I mean, if he's like oh, a, yeah. like an actual producer of movies and stuff, he's probably really wealthy. Although, if he is, that would it would be strange to me that Albie would be trying to correct him about the quality of the a Godfather. Film. Yeah, that seems a little strange. So, cut to one of the workers there, a female. Did you, did you catch her name? Um, the 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 hotel worker. No, they said it, but I didn't catch it. I didn't either. Uh, Isabella. Uh, Isabella. I Isabella. Okay, great. Isabella, she walks up to Valentina. She says that she thinks she works too hard, but she admires her for how she handles everyone, especially the men. You don't take any shit. I want to be like you. Kind of a sweet moment. Uh, Valentina clearly doesn't know how to take it, but does her very, very level best to give her a compliment back. And she says, well, you're a good worker. Which, coming from her, going to her staff, I didn't know she had to dinner. She seems legitimately taken back and not sure how to handle this, which... Is either a social awkwardness, doesn't know how to deal with other people, doesn't know how to deal with compliments or accept them. It's not what she's used to. B is just awkward with her staff and doesn't know how to handle it. C, are we getting a little bit of maybe code that she could have a certain element of attraction there? Could be, yeah. Valentina might be. She doesn't seem to be interested in men at all. Um, so, so that that might they might be building that case for us, right, to pick up on. Um, I've, man- I've managed people for a long time in my career. I'll say this. If someone comes to you that works for you and takes the time to sit you down and individually tell you why you're such a good boss, mm-hmm. it might be a good time to talk a little bit more individually about them mm-hmm. about, you know, and, and say, Oh, I like when you do X or you can work on Y or I'll help you with Z. Not 
you're just a good worker. Like, I think that was a missed opportunity by Valentina. I take your point that for her it was a big deal, but it was a missed opportunity. Coming from Valentina, Isabella probably wrote that down in her journal. And on hard days in the future, she's going to think back that Valentina said I was a good worker in a way like, you know, her mother. You think they're going to hook up? I can already tell. Do think they're going to hook up, but I also think it's just it's so unique coming out of Valentina that Rocco. The day that Rocco remembers the only compliment they ever got from Valentina was a really good day for Rocco. So it seems like last season was an exploration of the rich and their relationship to the service industry. We talked about this before, but it really seems to me like they're doing a lot more exploration of gender and inequities in gender and gender relations because even this conversation had a lot of that in it, right? That's a fair um, call. That's a fair call. So I think they're pushing that a little bit. Like this show, like we we covered this on the intro pod. You cannot explain it in one sentence. However, I do think that what they're exploring this year is gender. That's what I, I think. I think about. each season has a theme. And I think gender is definitely more front and center with our theme than it ever so was last year. It, so far. It, you never it, know where they're going. but yeah. Absolutely not. But it has certainly come up in each of the episodes. And given the focus on the individual relationships and the pairings of relationships, it seems like something that they're going to have a lot of opportunity to explore even more. Cut to Mia and Lucia. Mia tells Lucia she's ignoring her. Hey, stop ignoring me. And Lucia says, I'm working. I'm working here. She's trying to find a date for the both of them. Lucia walks up to bar to talk to a guy sitting alone. Mia's looking at the piano player, Giuseppe. Uh, cut to Ethan and Cameron. Cam asks Ethan if people are slipping into his DMs left and right. Now, Spencer, you're a big social media guy. You have a bunch of followers. It's normal. My question for you is, is it normal for married people to be getting a lot of DMs? No. Is this something that happens to you often? No. Just, no. Note all of that? <laughs> Very much no. It's like nothing Cameron says for the next 10 minutes is true. Well, I don't know. For him. So, so, uh, oh, for, for his him, reality. Not for me. Not not it's for anything reality. I've seen that had a healthy relationship. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Cameron then tells Ethan, everybody cheats. Spencer, everybody cheats. Come on, sir. Spencer, everybody uh, cheats. Okay, refer, return to my prior statement. Just refer back to that. Come on. I'm holding up a sign saying prior Dude. statement. I'm just going to point at it when you say this shit. Dude, like, it's so known that you're out of the loop because you don't know. That's basically what Cameron's saying to Ethan. Um, It doesn't take long, though, for Ethan to go, really? They do? Which, mm, I didn't like that. Cameron, of course, says, of course they fucking do. It's a crime of opportunity. If they can. What did you make of Ethan going, seemingly actually not, like, mocking, but legitimately curious, they do? What do we have to Uh, mock out of that? I don't think Ethan likes his wife and I think he's very interested in cheating and I think he doesn't cheat at the end of this even though he wants to and let me explain something yeah that sounds really preachy let me tell you my opinion please is Ethan not cheating here is I guess good but the bigger problem is that he wants to that he wants to and he was in a, he was placing himself in that kind of situation yeah and he because because if he wants to he will eventually like mm-hmm. he will and there seemed to be a certain element of realization going through Ethan's head in that particular moment, not just, you know, discomfort or whatever else, that he needs to unpack and he needs to talk about with Harper. He just needs to. And well, uh, I my worry is that what he's, my worry is what he needs to say to her is, I don't like you anymore. Like, that's my worry. Like, I, I think he's going to divorce her. And if that's true, that is a conversation the two of them need to have. Nothing, sure. nothing, nothing's good, no, nothing good is going to come from one person realizing that and then burying it. So what you're saying is that if a couple wants, if someone in a relationship wants to get divorced, that they should say that? Yeah. I, I, I'm going on the fucking limb I'll be, limb I'll, here, be I know. I'll be damned, Spencer. I, I you know, are brilliant. I know. Just people, 
Yeah, it's simple shit. Yes, of course, you idiot. Yeah, if you don't like your wife anymore, tell her. God, well, God. Yeah. Doesn't mean doesn't mean you have to break up either. It just means you just need to talk with her about it and then decide what you're both going to do with it. Maybe it means therapy. Maybe it means you know making certain changes in your life. Maybe it means you get divorced. But sitting on it's going to do nothing. No, and yeah, what he does this episode. While he's going to call, probably call it a win on paper, I don't think it is. Cameron, yeah. ask Ethan how his sex life is. Uh, quiet, crickets, and he just says, sounds great, which is funny. Ethan then says, it's hard when you know everything about each other and you've seen each other on the, on the toilet, is what he says. Now, Cameron seizes on that and says, there you go. You only got one life, Ethan. He says, but Harper and I are, Cameron, perfect comedian timing, codependent, <laughs> which did make me laugh. Yeah, it was a good line. He's funny. He is funny. Uh, I mean, you have to be in his type of job, he, he, right? He's legitimately charming. That's part of the danger of the guy. That's what he. That's what he's got to do because he's he's clearly his role is not. I don't think he's the day trader of that company. No. I think he brings money into the investment firm, and he's probably got guys who do the investing, right? Free free range salesman. That's what he does. And it's probably guys. It's probably yes. men that are doing that. Um, so Ethan says, "No, I don't lie to my wife." And he says, "Oh man, really? I didn't know that. That's so sweet." Got Tanya and Portia. Albie is mouthing to Portia that he's going to go swimming after this. It just seems kind of intrusive here. Um, he, he's being aggressive. Oh, it's because that's what everybody wants to do, right? Spencer, eat and then swim. That's what I want. That's exactly the timing I want. Let's let's get a big full belly and go dive in a pool. Come on. It's a kind of out on this character the entire episode. Doesn't get I'm out on it. Albie too. I'm out on Albie. Tanya then asked Portia if she's already met a guy here. So Tanya's already. She's annoyed by this. Portia doesn't deny it. She says, kind of, he's really smart and everything. He went to Sanford. One of those guys. Um, what do you think by one of those guys uh, she meant? Uh, I, I thought she just meant smart. Or, you know. I thought I thought I, she I thought meant. You, the, I thought she meant smart, I thought she meant entitled, the, rich. What, there's a lot of things that were growing into that. Okay. I thought she meant the type of guy who took a couple feminist classes and just like yammers at you about Wait, like uh, how her, the world should be. I mean, her, her next line about him is he's really nice. Like maybe a little too nice, you know, like I wish, yeah. like it, it, it seems like it's what her previous, one of those guys is bleeding into that. And by the way, I shouldn't just harm her. Like, cause I, I took feminism courses in college. I thought it was important I for my too. education, but I, but what I'm trying to say is like this concept of like the university academic bubble and then coming yes. out of it and having trouble sort of talking to like quote normal people. Right. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Very much so. We're assuming the spheres that you operated then are representative of the broader segment of humanity and that yeah. everyone's just going to naturally agree with you. Uh, she says a super yeah. honest line. She says, I just wish he got my heart rate up a little bit, you know, which is fair. Perfectly fair. Maybe you should tell him that you're just not that interested. Or or just have sex with him because you're on a vacation. It doesn't have to be somebody or that you're in love with. have sex with the guy at the pool. Don't yeah, you, pool you guy. Don't, you don't have to keep hanging out with Albie. Uh, but be careful. He has sensitive nips. Um, or use them. Mm. Tanya then actually – oh, my gosh. Spencer, blue. Uh, Tanya then actually gives her good advice for Don't spend your life chasing emotionally unavailable men or you'll spend your whole life just banging your head against the wall. This is Tanya projecting. However, it's not bad advice. good advice. It's good advice, especially for someone who is eschewing the white, the, the nice guy. Yeah. She's eschewing the nice guy. And I think that if you're doing that, then Tanya's advice probably is good, which is, well, don't, don't we, in doing the, I don't like the nice guy deal. Don't find a guy who's going to treat, mistreat you. Yeah. It's like, if you're, if you're not, not, not an Albie, fine, but don't swing too hard in the other direction and, you know, dream about the bad boy. 
then, a lot of problems to be found there too. Then Tanya's being flirted with and think there's something wrong with her. Which and Borsha has to explain like, hey, they're, they're, I think they're kind of India. Which, by the way, like, Tanya, not a bad looking woman. I'm not surprised that she's being know. flirted with. It, yeah, it, it, Spencer really likes her as a matter of fact. It hasn't come up yet on the podcast, but sure, she's not. She is. She's a perfectly attractive woman, and it's sad. She was in a she, movie that you saw years ago, uh, American Pie, perhaps. <laughs> Good call. Every member of our generation watched that. Oh, movie. Stifler's mom. Yes. Uh, it was legitimately sad to me that she doesn't have a concept that people would flirt with her. That yeah. she has so little self confidence that someone staring at her and smiling is so foreign that she assumes something is wrong with her. It's like, well, she is able to rally and give the sexiest smile back I've ever seen. I don't know if you saw that. I, to the point that it's been memed now. <laughs> it's been memed it's now, that smile. Oh it's just like, my God. It's she, so tried, she tried. She <laughs> tried. I'm going to give people Oof. credit on this Oof. show for trying because so few of them do. Man, I don't know what I would do if a woman smiled at me like that. I, I would maybe ask the waiter to get her some help. Um, can you please help that woman? She's got trouble. She's got, she's having a stroke or something. Mm-hmm. Cameron then explains to Ethan what's wrong with Ethan. You see, like he's going to explain to her. Yeah, right? yeah. See, monogamy, Spencer, let me explain this to you. Please, yeah, go monogamy on. is an idea created by the elite to control the middle class. A little history lesson for you. Mm-hmm, Everything mm-hmm. checks out so far, obviously. Meanwhile, all the priests were fucking the altar boys and the aristocrats were fucking everything that moves. So, mm-hmm. Cameron then says the most ambitious guys are always the most, I'm going to say ready. Uh, he then says, that's Brandy. why women treat them this way. Quote, if you don't make their dreams come true, they make you suffer. That's why it's safer to stick with sex workers. L- ladies of the evening. Uh, it's it's good to finally have Cameron's philosophy summarized on screen. I don't think this is put on. I don't think he's putting... No, I think he's dro- actually dropping the facade a little bit. Very much so. I think we're seeing the real Cameron right now. Ugh, and I don't like it. I don't like it, Spencer, not one bit. Now, the cuteness of the relationship he had with Daphne is just running through the mud right now. It's like, oh, it was, Harper was completely right. It is put on. It and is that's the thing I was, I'm hoping that Ethan's picking up on it. Here's my worry, is that Ethan is picking up on it. But his desire to cheat on Harper is so high that he continues the night anyway. He continues rolling with Cameron even though now he probably is out on Cameron as a person. I mean, he, should have, he, he should have had nine warning signs already, but the biggest one's about to approach his table and sit down next to him here in a second. And at no point does he check out. No, no, no. Cut to me and the piano player. Uh, he tells her she has talent. She's got a great voice, and I like, I can help you, you know? Uh, he says, I know people. And she starts to get excited. But this is a really, really sad part of the episode for me because he, Excuse all me. he says to her is... I'll help you. You have a great voice. I know people. She is so distrustful of men that she immediately goes, yeah, you want fuck buddies, right? And she's right. That's what's so sad is that the idea of an older man just being nice to her because she has talent can't possibly be in this society. And guess what? She's right. That's not what it is. How many times has she had this exact conversation before? I hate her. it. I hate it. It, it, it sucks. It's un, it's un, it's unfortunate because you're like, last episode we actually had kind of like a hope of where oh maybe the two of them could actually be friends now that they've established a certain element of distance. It's like, no, no, they can't. This guy doesn't view it as possible. The two of them could just be friends. Yeah, and my wife was rooting for that. By the way, she's watching. She she kept saying, oh, I think they're going to be end up. She's even thinking maybe they'd have like a romantic thing down the road or whatever. But no, no. he's he doesn't. He sees her as. Young it, piece of meat, and it sucks. What's his words like? You know, it, it's hard to just be friends with a beautiful woman. It's like, oh, oh, dude, come on. 
I'm giving him the shoe away. Get, mm-hmm. get out, my, get off my table. Get off my table. He says, um, "Yeah, it's hard to be friends with a beautiful woman like you." Mia looks at him. Uh, I thought he was going to get another drink in the face. I really did. I thought he was going to get one, but she said, "I'll think about it," which is also sad that she thinks that she has to potentially engage in this type of thing to get ahead in yeah. some sort of musical career in and around the Sicily area. Uh, Cameron then starts calling uh, Mia and Lucia over. Ethan seems embarrassed by this, but you know what? Cameron leads in and says, "Is okay." Yeah. Right. So, it's okay. so like, if we if we're at dinner, right? For dinner, and I'm calling over some some sex workers, yeah, and you no. get embarrassed. All I have to do is say, "Hey, man, it's okay." That's that's what he offers. It's okay. Uh, and this, is, if that works on me in that moment, that's the moment where you finally revealed to me that you have Jedi mind control powers because that's just straight up. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Kind of just controlling the situation. Bert then tells Dominic, "Hey, the girls, the the girls, they're working the room. Like, what what is going on? Like, and I don't, my, I if I was Bert, I'd be asking the same question. Dominic like, seems irritated did, by this. You, you didn't get them on retainer. What's going on here right now? I quit. So the girls I have the table. concerns." Girls at the table. Cameron asks if uh, she parties. Spencer, uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know that. Like if I, you're if you're hanging out and somebody says, "Do you party?" You know what that means. Yes, I know what that means. All right, look at you. I don't party, but I know the look people. Look at you, do. Spencer, drug guy. Spencer's so a drug I, I guy. I said I just go on business trips. Nothing happens there. Just ah, I just go work in my room. Um, so he asks her. She he gets super obvious with it because he's been drinking. Obviously, he says, "Do you have any party favors?" He starts touching his nose. She just goes, oh, I have pills. I have pills. So she says she has Viagra. And they're like, oh, we don't need that. No, no, and no. They probably don't, like late 30s. And then she says she has Molly. Cam gets excited about that. Um, but she says very clearly, you have for the record, everyone listening knows this. It's on the record. Yes, yes. No, but these pills are expensive, guys. You have to pay for it. He says, I got money, baby. That's the one thing I do got. And I'm guessing from your focus on this previously... Uh, you watched the trailer for the next episode. I did. I got so mad because it looks like he stiffs her. And I'm just so pissed off about that. Short, sir. I'm Short, anti- sir. I'm angry in anticipation. Yes, it's going to suck. And it's going to suck. I mean, there, there are many unacceptable things to do in the world. Shorting a, shorting a sex worker ranks high. Yeah, it is. Um, that's pretty rough. But he, in this moment, says, I got money, baby. That's the one thing I do got. And Spencer, Liar. let's fun. Let's uh, fun. I, we are going to say let's fun in the future, sir. I, that's a thing now. 100%. Let's fun. Cuts to a lovely island between the montages, which perfect, right? Because mm-hmm. Ethan is isolated, an island. So, um, so are Harper and Daphne, too. Yeah. Um, so uh, Ethan and Harper feel... Um, no, uh, Harper and Daphne. Yeah, I feel like this evening. Uh, cuts to the women and... Um, no, no, no. No, no. I, I'm sorry. In my notes, what I what I was thinking is that both Ethan and Harper feel like this island, right? So, like, I think yes. that like Harper, where she is, feels alone, and I think Ethan, where he is, feels alone. And the, but they end in two different places, which is fun with respect to it. Right now, they both are out of their comfort zone. They feel isolated. They feel like somebody else is in complete control, and they end, at least with respect to the other person, I think, in very different ways. So that uh, I had a little hope here because it cuts to the women and they're they're just sitting around high and snacking. Eat, and and I had hope that I had hope that they were going to have a good night. I don't I don't think they do. Um, I, I don't. But like they didn't even open a bottle of the, the the house vent vintage that they had right there. They're just eating a bag of potato chips. It's like I, order what? take out bang bang come on. 
Oh, I would have, uh, man. Dude, you know how I roll, man. We would have, we would, we would have bang bang. Just a proper yeah. take out of every people, local place. People who don't know what that is, that's something that we talk about in our friend group. We talked about it on the Mangum Talks podcast network before. Bang bang is where you get food from one restaurant and you go right to the next restaurant. You get food from another one. You get two restaurants for one meal. We would have potentially bang bang bang. We would have done maybe three. Uh, We'd have had a huge spread in that place. We'd had the TV rolling, music on. What? It would have been a blast. They, it, again, they're they're so wrapped up in their own relationship problems that it seems like they're incapable of having fun on their own, which is funny because it's the, exact, it's, the, it's the exact opposite of the point that Daphne makes to Harper where she's like, oh yeah, I just go off on my own and have fun. And it's like, you're kind of proving that you don't right yeah, now. You're proving that you don't have a life of your own because you're not living one. You're just thinking about what the, what, what, the, what, what, your, what effect this is going to have on the life you've got back behind. Yeah. It's a, uh, if, um, so, uh, Daphne asks Harper if Ethan has changed after the money and she no, says no, 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 exactly the same, but you and I, uh, disagree with that. We think that she, he has changed a little bit and is changing maybe. Uh, but they also debate whether Ethan's a nerd and we've, you and I have gone heavily over the, de- what definition that has in this modern day and age. Uh, it seems that Daphne and, um, Daphne and, uh, Harper have different views on the subject too. I think they're using it in a derisive way, right? You know, nerd has been, become one of these really empowered terms. Um, yeah. And I, as a um, a sort of rehabilitating cool guy from high school, have been trying to be a nerd and get into the nerd culture for a long time. Mm-hmm. But they view me as like the, the jock guy from high school. And like, I can't get into the cool circle because the whole thing's flipped. <laughs> and nerds are cool yeah. now and they do all the cool stuff. So like I go to these cons and I'm trying to be friends with all the nerd people. So they use it derisively. I typically on this podcast network use it as a very positive term. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. Um, and it might be showing their age a little bit too, right? Cause they're late thirties and they, they're, they're using that term derisively. I'm not sure somebody in their early twenties would. Yeah. We, we heard that Ethan is 36 and I think that's probably about the right range for all the other characters among this social group. Yeah. So Harper says Ethan um, isn't like that. He's honest to a fault. Daphne then says, I'm so glad Cameron has a friend like Ethan, which is hilarious because the exact opposite is not true. <laughs> she is not happy that uh, Ethan has a friend like Cameron. She doesn't uh, know. She doesn't know what to what, even, even what degree yet, though. And she says honestly, the guys Cameron works with a very dark triad, which is like this crazy, super high, daunting thing to say. All this the music f- bleeding into <laughs> what the fuck does a very dark triad mean? Is this eyes wide shut kind of relationship that's happening here? What's happening? What the fuck does it mean? I don't understand. Very dark triad. I'm going to say that a lot on this podcast now. We're getting two things from this. Let's fun and a very dark triad. Mm-hmm. Um, she says they're psychopaths. Harper then says, not Cameron though. And she says, oh no, Cameron is like a naughty little boy. Um, these other guys are Bernie Madoff types who will fuck you up. And they're the most successful guys in finance. Two things. That sounds right about the most successful guys. In finance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two is anytime you're in a relationship with somebody, right? And they're in a group and you think everybody in that group is bad and doing bad things, but your person, you're probably wrong. You're probably wrong because you're, you're, you're trying to assume the best, but all of the evidence you have is that they're associating with all of these bad people. It's typically not realistic to assume that they wouldn't be participating in those things. Yes, you can't hang out with the pigs without rolling in the mud. It's just how it goes. 
Yeah, there you go. Look at you turning phrases left and right. Cut to Portia by the pool, and she is watching some guy with 1% body fat get into the pool. Seems like the guy in the pool gets her heart rate up a little bit. I will say that. And apparently his nips, too. Uh, oh, sensitive nips. Who's he talking to? Is he is he just saying, I got sensitive nips just out loud? So you've, you've, you've never met a nip narrator? No. Okay, that's the thing now. Nip narrators. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe I need to pick that up at Bulls. Albie then walks up with a beer uh, and the heart rate goes back down. Yeah. And he asks her how her day was. And she says, I feel like if I murdered my boss, I could call it. I could argue it's euthanasia. One of the lines the about, of the episode right there. Yeah. But the, but the thing about Portia, though, is that she's such a bummer all the time that even when she has a banger of a line like this one, she says it with no confidence. It's just the. Yeah. It's like, that's a funny line. Like, say it and laugh. Both of these characters need to have more lines with smiles on their faces. Just please. Just say, add some smile to your voice. It'd be lovely. Albie then leans in for a kiss, but she kind of shakes him off. And he says, no, no, no. She says, no, no, it's fine. I just wasn't expecting it. He says, well, expect it. Again, still trying to be aggressive. (sighs) You think that was good? You think that was good, Spencer? No. No, Rate rate that move, the well, expect it, and go back in. It's not his worst line, but it's saying nothing. (laughs) it's not his worth lot but that says that says absolutely nothing uh he goes in and kisses her and she actually looks away at the guy in the pool while he's kissing her who's looking at her too whoa that is that's not quite to like a cuckold situation but it's it's on the spectrum this is where i'm going to salt Porsche a little bit you are so out on this guy just tell him just tell for both of your six just say not into you really that way sorry well, don't kiss you. him and look at another guy, make eyes with another guy while you're kissing him. That's you're, you're, ma- you're making That's yourself mean. unhappy, not telling this guy what you don't feel for him. Just it's also like kind of. I don't, by the way, we're both out on Albie now, but that's kind of mean, right? It's a weird thing. I mean, it's it, it, in some ways it's unfair to Alfie that you know he clearly has no. Al, is it Alfie or Albie? I feel like we're using both. Albie, Albie, come on, Spencer, podcast professional. That's why I'm asking. I'm here for you. Um, I feel like in some ways it's unfair to him that she's not being nicer or at least more direct with him about that she's just not into Yes. Him. She's not getting it. Which he probably should, but he isn't. And you know he isn't. I'll just, so, I'll just say this. If you're ever in a situation where you're making out with somebody <laughs> and then you're flirting by looking with someone else while you're doing it, you're in the wrong position. I, yeah. I, th- I don't think I'm breaking ground here. I think you're yeah. just, you've, you're, you're, so, I don't know. I don't know how you've come to arrive here. <laughs> you're making out <laughs> with the wrong person right now. I don't know how you've come to arrive here, but yeah. it's not good. Um, so, uh, then, um, uh, that's it. I think that's it for that. Oh, no, no, no. Um, they leave, they, they break, they apart. leave together. They, they break apart. Awkwardly. Is this, is that then though? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, uh, he offers to take her back to his room and she says, no, um, and then he says, I'll walk you back to your room. And she's like so pissed that he says that because she just wants to stay there and flirt with pool guy. But she doesn't seem to have a way to say no. So she just goes. Now, what I wrote in my notes here is that uh, dating sucks. Dating, dating, dating sucks. Happy, like, happy not to be dating anymore. It's me fun, too, fun. man. I don't like I, I, I had like mild success, not like a lot, but like a little bit. But it was hard work and it was typically um, – pretty embarrassing and like uh it would it would absolutely like da- if you have a lot of self-worth like dating will knock you down a peg real quick very damn fast, real yeah. real quick yeah and that seems to be what happening here so it's maybe albie and Portia a little bit not got to albie at the bar uh or, or dominique at the bar 
and he is really struggling. I do. This is the scene where I thought they were trying. They were really trying to tell us that Dominique is a sex addict because he he looked like he was um, having a, a craving. He looked like he was having a what? craving. I also thought this was in some ways similar to Harper's scene of where I didn't think this was entirely real, but it was what he was seeing. Because he's just sitting in a room and it's like he's in the middle of a fucking convention of attractive models right there. And I I thought in some ways that was being hyper-stylized of where this isn't actually what the world is around him, but it is certainly what he's feeling in terms of his craving he's suffering from right now. Yeah, completely agree with you. He seems He seems to be having... A craving, and he 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 seems to be acting it like he goes in and out of these sort of manic sexual craves because he's kind of like almost shaking, and he has like a different look on his face at certain moments. But he's able to fight it away here, right? Because he, mm-hmm. he does actually leave. But I will tell you this: um, I'm not a sex addict, but uh, if you're a sex addict, I would think. You shouldn't hang around at bars at night drinking alone with a bunch of other well, women. I would think maybe it might be movie night in the room. I feel like this is a problem. And like a regular movie, by the way. I, I'm with you. But I feel like this is a problem that a lot of people who suffer from addiction fall into, is that if you've been in it long enough, you don't know how to live a life that doesn't follow the same patterns. You don't yeah. know the safe circles to walk in. You don't know the alternatives. You just know the grooves you've been you've been stuck in for years. And being at a bar, having a drink, that's all he knows how to spend an evening with. That's all he's been doing for probably decades. Yeah, the classic example is a person who uh, has a problem with alcohol who then says, well, I, only people, only place you can meet people is bars, right? Because it's the only place they've ever met anybody before, right? But obviously you, could, obviously you can meet people other places than bars. And obviously Dominique could be doing something very fun with his night. It's not sitting at the bar jonesing for all the women that he sees. So he, that's what I'm saying. He could, he could be there with his dad watching Godfather Part 3 and just wondering where things went wrong in that whole series. They would have yeah, they could be like – like like the television show community, which you have a tangential understanding of, they could be hate watching the movie. Uh, Tanya, do, I, yes. question for you: Did you get a sense that Dominique was like maybe going to hook up with Tanya because he was like I and her at the end? I was terrified there for a second that that's the direction they were going in. Where they were both there and they were ironing each other a little bit, and there was a slow motion walk past. I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay, oh god, they walk past each other. Good. Yeah. Cut back to the palazzo. Harper then says. Uh, then looks at Daphne um, and asks her if she thinks Cameron cheats on her. Heck of a question, asks somebody. And it gives me the impression that one of two things is going on. One, she's really high. Or two, she actually does feel closer with her. Because that's not something you ask somebody you're not comfortable with. Um, Daphne gives her an honest answer and says, maybe just once that I know about. And then she says, don't feel bad for me. I figured out how to handle it. Like today, I do what I want. And that's the point I was trying to make earlier. Is I don't yeah. think she's doing what she wants. I think she's doing things because everything in her life is built around Cameron. Um, she says, I'm not resentful. I'm not sure if she's resentful or not. I didn't get the read on that. Um, so, yeah. yeah I, I don't know if resentful is the right word, but she they, they've been joking about codependency. I think we're seeing that she doesn't have a life outside of him. And even her attempts to have one come across as almost just juvenile acts of rebellion in a way that has no staying power and don't make her happy. And obviously don't affect Cameron at all. Uh, Harper says, how do you how do you handle it? And Daphne just goes, I'm not a victim. That's all I meant. Harper looks at her and it seems to me that they are becoming friends. I agree. Um, yeah. So big difference in the nights between the two. I think this jump here illustrates it, right? Because they're sitting there miserable talking about the men. And they are, the men are at a bar getting hammered with uh, the prostitutes, uh, sex workers. Yeah. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. They jump in a hotel room. 
uh, guys seemingly with their clothes on. And then we see the line being crossed, right? We see us kissing Cameron. Um, Ethan's just watching all this and he has mul- we have multiple shots where Ethan's just trying to get away. Well, he was he, under he, the water. He's under the water. He's in behind a locked door at one point with him banging. Behind a locked door, then in a bathroom. Um, cut to the ocean. Um, and I love the cutaway, right? It's like, but you might try to get away, but the momentum of the ocean is always coming at you. Hi. It's always hitting you. Yeah. And then we see Ethan in the room alone. He's trying not to open the door, but he does. And then the, in comes Cameron. We see it, Mia. They're drinking a party and Ethan is just watching all this. Uh, just because um, I haven't said it yet at one point this episode, Lucia and Mia, beautiful women. And really? just the, the scene emphasizes. I know. I'm going to have a limb with no, this. Hadn't noticed. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I say the weirdest, just random things every now and then. I know I've never said this before. Well, question for you. Um, if you uh, wanted to swipe right on either one of these, which one would you swipe, swipe right on? I'm swiping right on both and, having, and, and, and enjoying Dominique's night the prior night. Well, how about that? <laughs> you asked. Oh, then we see Lucia's on the couch with Cameron and Mia walks up to Ethan and starts trying to kiss him. He does stop and shake her off. She says, no, she kind of laughs. She pats him on the chest. She says, okay. And I think in her mind, she's like, okay, I got a free night. Like I don't have to work. Uh, then we see Lucia and Cameron and they are having sex right there on the couch. Right there. Just right so, there with, with Ethan kind of just sitting there watching at the end once he chooses not to go any further with Mia, which Mia understands and goes away from. But... So, like, the idea that you would be with a friend who, like, wants to party more than you, like, not really that weird. Happens, yeah. What would you do if you had a buddy who, like, in the middle of the room starts, starts like, hooking? Fucking... Yeah, like, that that would astonish me. I'd be like, what? And I obviously leave the room, but I'm like, what in the hell is going on? The, the, I, the, admittedly, there'd be a few seconds of just like, is this really happening right now? Yeah. Am I that drunk? Was it, there it something else in me there? a little bit. No. I was like, is he really doing that right there? Okay. Lucy is there. Y'all have fun. I'm gone. Yeah. Ethan does something that is even funnier than all of that. He lights a cigarette. It starts smoking a cigarette inside. <laughs> that was, I thought that was so fun. funny. I, 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 it was interesting. because I actually thought that was some weird symbolism, too, of where... We heard Harper say that, you know, you want to appeal to him. You want to, like, live your life through him. And we discussed ourselves that he kind of still idolizes him to a certain degree. I felt like the purposeful metaphor of lighting a cigarette, the classic thing that you, you know, in movies, whatever else, do after or related to sex. While he's looking at them, too, almost felt a certain element of he's still living his life through Cameron. He's still, Cameron's still setting the pace and he's following and seeing... So Cameron's having sex to a certain degree. This is him sharing the experience. Unfortunately, you're probably hitting on something there, which is, eh. Um, codependence, another theme of this episode. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, Harper calls Ethan. He does not answer. And we're left with Ethan's voicemail at the end of episode recap over. Indeed. Woo. All right, Spencer. Uh, best line of the episode. Give me some nominees. You got them? I, I have them right here. One second. Woo! Right. Yes, uh, we had some good lines this episode. I think. We did better than last episode for sure. Uh, line early, just this set the tenor going forward of their entire relationship. I don't think that you're the type of the guy that would ever make someone feel uncomfortable in that way. You know, you could probably go a little bit in the other direction. Actually, uh, of of the two lines, the first one I feel is the most cutting. The line about I don't think you're the type of guy that could ever make someone feel uncomfortable is a surprisingly cutting line in a way that I don't I don't know how intentional it was. Uh, next one. This is again from Porsche. 
I've been I've been feeling so depressed at home. I just thought I'd come here and feel something. Is, is everything boring? No, mm. I, I just. I just feel that there must have been a time when the world had more, you know, like mystery or something. And now you nah. come somewhere and it's just, it's this and it's beautiful and you take a picture and then you realize that everybody's taking that exact same picture from the exact same point. You just, you make redundant content for stupid Instagram and you can't even get lost anymore because you find yourself in your Google Maps like, girl, please, you're depressed, you're spiraling. There's so much, so much fun to be had in the world, even in your own house, much less when you're off, off abroad. Can I just point out you started that with girl, please? <laughs> I did. Is there another way to start that sentence? I don't know. I, I enjoyed don't think it. There is. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, uh, next line here. But ever since you found out, uh, this is from um, Tanya. But ever since you found out that you're going to have a lot more years, I feel like you just realized that you're going to be stuck living them with me. I'm like, Tanya, ow. That, that is a surprisingly sad line. It's like, and that actually happens. That's obviously a phenomenon that occurs with people who are terminally ill and then come out of it and then like, ooh, maybe I don't want to be with you anymore. I'm not going to repeat it because you basically already did, but Albie's entire speech about nostalgia related to The Godfather, I don't agree with any of it, but I think it's an important speech in terms of getting into his head and what motivates him and even the certain elements of trauma that are informing him. Yep, uh, yep, yep. This isn't a line of dialogue, but I feel like the scene speaks so many volumes I wanted to include it. But Valentina eating lunch alone while feeding the cats. Didn't need a word spoken there other than... Still, it's, still I got learned more about the character than I have in any other scene previously, and I loved it. Uh, another line from Valentina. Rocco, find the fortune teller's number for the crazy lady. Like that one quite a bit. Uh, line from Bert. Uh, do we embarrass you, Albie? No, it's just... Mm. I don't think you realize how you sound sometimes. They used to respect the old. Now we're just reminders of an offensive past that everybody wants to forget. Great line. Uh, again, it's a weird line in terms of who it's coming from in the context, but I think it's an important one for understanding the, their pathology, if you, if, it, if you will. I feel sorry. This is from uh, Daphne. I feel sorry I for men, you know. It's like, I appreciate that, man. Your generosity. I, I will. I, I feel sorry for men, you know. It's like, they think that they're out there doing something really important, but really, they're just wandering alone. Mm. Uh, line from Tanya. Again, all about relationships in this episode. Uh, you already met a guy here? Uh, uh, back. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I did. He's really smart and everything. He went to Stanford. You know, one of those guys. He's really nice. Like, maybe a little too nice, you know? I just wish that he got my heart rate up a little or something. Portia, don't spend your life chasing emotionally unavailable men, or you'll only spend your whole life just banging your head against a wall. You know, that's actually a great series of lines between two characters and a level of connection with another person I wasn't expecting out of Tanya. That's actually directed, well-meant, listen-to-you advice from Tanya. I don't know if I've ever seen that before from Tanya. Kudos. I think it's I think it's accidental. I think she's projecting on her, but it, it, it by accident or happenstance... It does kind of apply to Portia's situation. Yeah. Um, last one uh, from Portia. I feel like I, I feel like if I murdered my boss, I could argue it was euthanasia. All right, here we go. Best line of the episode: White right, Lotus, season two, episode three. Got an honorable mention this week. It is our guy Bert who is rising in the power rankings. Hey, they used to respect the old. Now we're just reminders of an offensive past everybody wants to forget. Good line. 
Um, and then best line of the episode is, I feel sorry for men, you know, they think they're doing something important, but really they're just wandering alone. It had to be that one because of the behavior we're seeing from the men in the show. And, uh, and Dominique, uh, Dominique, I think Albie to a certain extent that kind of fits into this in a different way, mm-hmm. but then also, uh, of course, Cameron, you, you know, who it really doesn't apply to oddly enough, Bert. Bert's, pl- oh. Bert's doing group plans for everybody. He's planning fun trips. Everyone can have fun experience they want to talk about. Bert's rising in the power rankings. I'm saying he started really low, but he's he's coming up every week. It, uh, it, okay, it, you know why he's improved? Not he's not not, di- not drinking that prosecco anymore. Fix so many props. <laughs> you got to lay off the afternoon prosecco. That's a good plan. Um, although uh, our guy Ethan had the afternoon glass of whiskey, which uh, just set the tone for yeah. him. Uh, let's go into that's a great uh, segue to best uh, vacation partner of the week. Spencer, who do you think you would like to go on vacation with from this cast based on the behavior in the episode this week? Purely based on this episode? I'm going with Bert, man. Whoa! I'm going with Bert! That! He puts together plans. He encourages you, arranges you to take part in them. They're fun experiences he just wants to talk about. You'll tell stories as he's telling you about them as you're going through them. The guy planned a great day for his entire family. Guy seems like he's an awesome vacation partner. Purely from this episode. Okay. I uh, I like the pick. Love the pick. Have no problems with the pick. I'm going Harper. Uh, because she has her Italian. She, I'm fun headband on. And she And she, she tried all episode to the point that Daphne kind of railroaded her and was really selfish and not appropriate with her. And she didn't even give a shit for it. Like the self, the restraint that we saw from the character this episode in an attempt to try to be a good vacation partner. Matter of fact, I bet you that if she was back home, like litigating, like a wrongful termination case, mm-hmm. she'd be doing less work than she's fucking doing in this episode. Get, get, uh, she's, do, she's doing a great job. So she wins best vacation partner of the week for me. We didn't get to see the scene, but how much time do you think she invested in picking that headband? It's like, you know, oh, to, the, Three minutes, four, five, (laughs) a lot. mm -hmm. I'm with you right there. I I think it's a solid choice. I think it's an informed choice in a way I was not expecting episode one. Harper, unlike almost anybody else in this damn show, is actively trying with those around her. And God, does she she get kudos for that. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, worst vacation partner of the week. Who are we going with? Who do you got? I got two. One that I think wins and another one that's on it just because he disappointed me. Winner for me, Cameron. Uh, Cameron is a dangerous vacation partner. A, because he'd be the chicken on jet skis alone. Don't do that. But B, he is going to lead you into situations that just get you fucked and not in the fun kind of way. It is very much a scenario of where this is a self-centered, self-motivated guy who your involvement in him is purely to be in his orbit in a way where he doesn't care if you spin off into the void all alone by the end of it. Worst vacation partner of the week for me is Cameron because he's not on a vacation. He's on a work trip. Oh, brilliant. So brilliant. So well said. Kudos. Yes. He's on a work trip. He he is. You're a mark. That's what you are. You're not a vacation partner. You're a mark. You're a potential client. You're somebody to get money from. And that is an unforgivable sin from Cameron that no matter what he does the rest of the trip, I will hold it against him because it's clear to me that he is there to try to get money from his guy. And I, I went so far as in the recap to suggest he might be expensing the fucking trip. I think he might be. Because I, uh, I think possible. that's what he's doing. He's trying to make money for the firm. And fuck him for that. Because that's he's leaning on a 
like over a decade old friendship to do that. And that's just shitty. She's shitty. I don't think I'm breaking new ground. It's shitty. I agree. And honorable mention for me, Cameron didn't disappoint me. I, I, we expected this Cameron would show himself eventually. Piano guy disappointed me. Piano guy let me down. Piano guy I had hopes for. I thought that relationship had a potential to just be cute. He's just not a good guy. Whatever. It's like, no, he's not, in, he's not in there for this to be. I have a question. Do we have a case to be made that the, the show's being a little racist toward Italians? They are certainly playing on tropes with respect to a lot of the characters. Valentine's I don't mean to get all there. Albie on you, but I just think like they might be getting a little racist with Italians because we've not seen one Italian guy be rem- remotely appropriate. Rocco. Rocco. Well. Per- seems perfectly fine. For me, I guess. Six seconds we've spent it. Seems great. <laughs> I guess. Maybe Rocco is the guy we're going to lean on. All right. I, I, the, the guy. What everybody that- wants. Okay. Yep. What everybody's looking for all week long. Death theories. Who is your death theories this week, Spencer? Uh, Gre- I mean, Greg's still on the list. He's, I think he, Greg's always. You think be he's on the coming list. back? You think he's coming back after think, two days? The fact that I think he's coming back. The fact we got death flags said by fortune tellers. Everything else. Greg's on the list. Got got to be on there. Yeah, let's do this round robin. Who's, who's just give me something on your list? Lucia. It because Ooh, she don't now hurt me, is. Man. Don't because she's me. now jumping, she's jumping from person to person, and that's just she's just increasing the danger, the visibility. She's also taking drugs. Um, I think I think Lucy has got to be number one in your power rankings. If you're just you're just like if you're if you're just like a like an insurance guy and you're trying to figure out who do I insure, I would think she'd be the last she'd be the last person on the list you're giving an insurance policy to. I, I'm going to say somebody higher than if we're going to do young women on the show. I'm going to say somebody in my mind higher than Lucia Portia. Porsche got death flags right and left this entire episode in so many different ways. Standing next to the car. They were giving you a sense. Standing next to the car, pilfering other people's drugs, talks of depression, dissatisfaction, looking to go do risky behavior to feel alive. I think we're getting a lot of possible risk associated with this character. And in terms of possible threats to her, I think that list is getting longer too. All right. And uh, I think Harper too. Harper's on the list. Explain yourself, sir. Well, I think they're heading toward a Cameron Harper interaction uh, because they keep they keep show they showed us in the, the previously on Cameron telling Harper I hope you like me et cetera et cetera. I think that's going to happen. I also think we've seen a violent side from Cameron, and I think that there's going to be a sexual interaction or a attempted sexual interaction between Cameron and Harper that will not go well, and Cameron will kill Harper. Question on that point, by the way. Did you notice how many times Cameron was trying to kiss Ethan? Yeah, he kissed him multiple times. Actually, at what point had him in the bed where it looked like they were about to all four just go at it? Cameron be a bit by maybe? Cameron may be trying to get himself with Ethan too? I think that... Is, is that I don't, just about I don't, power and control? It could, that's a good point about power. I think what they were trying to show is that he's just so hedonistic. That it's just it's all consuming. It's it, just anything. Yeah. Devil may care truly in terms of how he goes about things. So my, my prediction for this week, I debuted a new theory here, is that Cameron has a failed sexual interaction with Harper, gets mad about it, loses his temper like we saw him on the phone with the airline people, and kills her. And that she's one of the dead. And I, I do like kind of like the idea that Porsche's the other. Maybe Porsche's one that's dead in the room that Rocco knows about due to a drug overdose from taking the drugs from from uh, uh, the best character, Tanya, your favorite character. I'm going to go a weird one. I'm going to go one that's unexpected, just because it would be running different to what we've seen in season one. Cameron. I'm betting Cameron now. A lot of people say it can't happen. We saw Daphne. Daphne wasn't reacting weird. Whatever else. I think Daphne's going to kill Cameron before the end of the show's over. 
I think Derek. <laughs> we we episode one. She's talking about burying him in a fucking garden or whatever. And everybody kind of poo pooed is like, oh, it's too on the nose. That's not how, that's not how season one played out. This show will give you on the nose sometimes. This show will give me on the nose sometimes, and I got enough of this episode to think that she's going to kill Cameron, and they were just purposely playing with us without surprise she was by the corpse that that just wasn't his corpse. Hey, it might have been, and she's just shocked that his body showed back up. That could be interesting too. Holy smokes! All right. And I guess I owe you one more, don't I? You owe me one more. You also owe me the fan theories. Okay. Uh, so the, um, my one more is going to be Dominic. Um, I've had Dominic quite a bit on the list, yes. Yeah, I think he's just increasingly putting himself in more and more risky situations and acting out. And I think that that, that leads to risk, right? So I think he's a, he's a good one. I don't have quite the same theory about how he does. I don't quite know, but he just seems to be like a very risky character. Um, we got the most that we got in this week, if I remember correctly, is Portia. Uh, that seems to be the person that online is the most popular death theory is mm-hmm. Portia. Um, and then of course, a lot of Greg, but the problem I have with the Greg comments is that they're all wrapped in what people want. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't like, yeah. we're it's not, not it's not a vote. Here. Yeah. It's not like we're, who we're do you want to predicting. vote off the island? <laughs> Yeah, that's we're getting some of that with with Greg because he's so um, he's so unpopular. Um, and then of course uh, we got a little bit of um, Lucia and Mia. Lucia and Mia. I, I it's going to hurt me if Lucia and Mia go out to the end of the show. I, I agree, it's very possible. They are the, they're the most charming characters in the show. They're the most charming. They've got the cutest relationship. I know the show's going to find some way to destroy that because that's what this show does. Um, I just hope that they can find some way to survive the experience, even if it's not as perfectly joyous as they are right now. All right. Well, I think we've gone through our segment. Spencer, anything else you want to say about season two, episode three of the white Lotus? As said, I quite enjoyed this episode. I thought it did some new things for the series, but had a very different tone and a very different focus than we've seen previously in a way I found intriguing. Uh, It may grate on me over time. It may not work as well over time. It may frustrate if there are too many episodes like this that were more dramatic rather than comic but as a change of pace episode i was quite here for it it makes me intrigued for what comes next it's not why i watched light lotus um i watched the white lotus to laugh and to make fun of characters and to have a good old grand old time and that's not what this was so um and i also thought it was slower and i thought you know how i mean we, we differ on this and we, we're consistent across we the, different, the, the, the different pods that we do as i like plot movement and sometimes you're okay with slowing down I am very much okay with meandering so long as it has a purpose. And this was yeah. a meandering episode in that regard. And I kind of want him to come on. Let's, let's speed the plot up a little bit. Um, so that, that's, I think that's how we differ. That's really all I got to say about the episode. I am looking forward to next week. So we have seven episodes. So we've got, we've done through three next week will be our midpoint Spencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I look forward to talking to you about it. Thanks everybody for listening. If you were enjoying this podcast, can't imagine you got this far. If you're not, Please subscribe, rate, and review. All that stuff matters. And by the way, every comment that comes in on mangumtalks.com or comes in on any of the podcast platforms that we're major on, I read, I take to heart, I listen, I care about what you all think. Spencer and I don't make any money from this. We put it out in the world because we hope you enjoy it. That's really the, the gist of it. So we do hope you enjoy it. And we hope you come back with us next week while we continue to meander our way through the White Lotus. Thanks for joining me, Spencer. Thanks for